Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen. I am here with my BFF and co-host, Sadie Carpenter. What is your name? That That is my name. Sadie Carpenter is my name. <laughs> uh, yeah. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I know I you're not. Trying, that's I was fine. trying to fool the listeners. Yeah, uh, no, no one's doing great, but that's fine. No, I'm, uh, not, I'm fine. I'm good. We're going to record an episode. Have a good time. Yeah, we're yeah, we're going to record. Uh, Sadie, uh, what are we recording an episode about today? What, what is today's episode? So last week we talked about in great detail what a day in my life as a teenage fundy was like. That episode... Um, we were going to do just one episode and do day in the life, like teenager and college at the same time. But the teenager one pulled out so many memories and details and things that I could explain. So we decided to do a two-parter instead. And this one is going to be my day in a life as a fundy college student. So as we all know, you attended not just one, but two of the strictest Christian colleges in the United States. That is correct. Today, we're going to focus on my day in the life of a Hiles Anderson College student. And I hope it pulls out like all the details like the last one did, because I really enjoyed that. 
Absolutely. We got a lot of really, um, I mean, for me, it really was enlightening. Like we said last time, this is actually a listener suggested episode. Um, and we love doing listener suggested episodes when, you know, it's one that we see and we're like, oh, we, that's, that's a really good one. Um, and the last one was so fun. Figure this one should be fun as well. Do you think that this episode is going to dredge up more or less trauma than last week's episode? <laughs> I would hope for less <laughs> because last week's was a little bit rough, but I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll see. Um, I'm excited to find out. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, before we get into that, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. Uh, we talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism and our goal is to educate and inform our listeners about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole and promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of our show, there are a few things that you can do. Number one, numero uno, you can subscribe to our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast where you will get access to extended and uncensored versions of most of our episodes you can go to join our facebook group which is facebook.com slash groups slash eden exodus you can join our subreddit which is reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus and is there anything that i am forgetting sadie we are taking listener stories to be read on the podcast during Pride Month this June. Yes. So if you have any story relating to your experience growing up as an LGBTQ plus person in the IFB and any other oppressive religious group, uh, any story relating to like queerness and fundamentalism and deconstruction, we are happy to take victory stories, happy stories, sad stories, trauma stories. Whatever it is that you feel like we need to know or that you would like to express to the other listeners of our podcast, um, we're more than open to all of that. Uh, if you have a story, send us your story to leavingedenpod at gmail.com. Please make sure that you include the name that you would like us to use if we read your story and include your correct pronouns so that we can refer to you correctly. Yes, yes, yes. I want to say I'm excited for our Pride Month content this year. I really liked re uh, reading the listener stories last year. It was it was really good. I felt like a really strong connection to all the people who sent us stories. Yeah, and I always want to, I always want to, you know, this podcast automatically amplifies queer voices because half of our entire staff is bisexual, but... Um, <laughs> It's this half. But I, I always want to get get more stories, get more voices. I have a really exciting interview guest lined up for Pride Month. I think we'll announce who that is before too long. I'm excited. That's, that's, it's, it's somebody very cool. It's somebody extremely <laughs> cool. Um, so we've got that coming for you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good time. Uh, so th that's going to be really cool. We're excited for that. Um, I guess I'm just going to, all I've got left to do is thank our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. Woo! All right. Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. Uh, I like, I don't think maybe a lot of our listeners understand how much of a shoestring operation this podcast <laughs> is, but it's the Faith Promise Missions tier patrons that really keep our lights on. 
um, as well as our other patrons. But Faith Promise Missions to your patrons, your names are Andrew Rocant, Brittany, Carrie R., Crystal Patterson, Eleanor, Donahue, Emery Fairlosser, Hope Norum, Jen Kucharski, Jessica Tambo, Katerwe, Catherine Schneider, Kathleen Moncrief, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, Lorena Watson, Madeline Cusick, Mary Martin, Megan Arndt, Rachel Bernadowitz, Rebecca Hoyt, Reverend Robert Stutz of the, uh, who, is a, who is a Methodist minister. Uh, thank you very much for giving us, for, for supporting the show, uh, Reverend Stutz. Sadie's actual BFF Morgan, uh, Sarah Reese, Shane Horton, and as always, yeehaw, it's Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much to all of our Faith Promised here patrons. We really appreciate you and the support that you provide for our podcast. And a big big shout out, big thank you to all of the patrons who keep us going. Yeah, it's I mean, you really make it possible for us to actually do this show. Otherwise, like it, we would not be able to do it. Uh, we would not be able to devote the time that it like it's a very time intensive process making this it is and like we do the show for the mission and i like i would be trying to do some kind of show no matter what but being able to compensate ourselves for our time makes it so much easier and gives us so much more freedom to put the amount of effort that we put into the show so thank you patrons Thank you so much. Uh, we're not at NPR level, so we can't give you a tote bag just yet. But uh, oh man, I would we, we love can... to give our patrons a tote bag. <laughs> Leaving Eden tote bag, I would be down. I would love that. So Sadie, do you, do you want to maybe like I know we've done episodes where we talked a lot about Hiles Anderson College. Do you want to maybe give us a bit of a refresher, mm-hmm. give us a bit of background about that college before we really get into saying what your day was like? Yeah. So, and I want to catch anybody up who might be new. I attended Hiles Anderson College. It's the college founded by Jack Hiles. That's the guy in the first two uh, First Family of Fundamentalism episodes and sponsored by First Baptist Church of Hammond, which is the church that he sponsored or the church that he pastored. In Fundy World, a Bible college has to be attached to a local church because the local church is the authority over everything. So those two ministries are inseparable. They are part of the same like umbrella ministry. When I was a student at Hiles Anderson College, uh, Jack Hiles had passed away like 10 years before I became a student. And the pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond and therefore chancellor of Hiles Anderson College was Jack Scopp, the guy in the last two First Family of Fundamentalism episodes. Whatever happened to him? Uh, well, he went to jail. For what? Uh, for violations of the Mann Act, because he transported a minor across state lines for the purpose of illicit sexual activity. Ooh, yeah. The the whole scandal about Jack Scobb being a pedophile and going to jail broke the summer between my freshman year and my sophomore year at Hiles Anderson College. He was um so the scandal broke over the summer, then he was arrested right at the beginning of my sophomore year, and then I left the college at the end of my sophomore year. And that whole story is way back in early episodes of the podcast. I think the episode is the side hug from hell. 
rough episode, very trauma heavy episode. <laughs> yeah. When so when we're talking about your daily life as part uh when you were going to HAC, are we more talking about pre-scop arrest or post-scop arrest or did things not really change day to day between those two years? Little details changed, but the the schedule of day-to-day life did not change much with the new leadership after he was fired and arrested. I am going to focus mostly on the pre-arrest stuff for this episode because as I've talked about bits and pieces here and there, by the second year I was at Hiles Anderson, I had some serious mental health stuff going on. I had personal drama. I was trying to decide whether I wanted to stay at the college for my junior year or not. Uh, Towards the end of my sophomore year, I was trying to decide if I wanted to stay in the IFB or not. So there was a lot of unrelated stuff going on that didn't that that made my college life different. So we're going to stick to my freshman year when it was more standard HAC life. Okay, so that that was uh, 2011 to 2012. Correct. Pensacola Christian College, which is the other Christian college that you attended, is regarded by some. I mean, uh, we've all seen like the I, maybe it's like a BuzzFeed or like Wait, I think Cracked list. did an article. Yeah, or you know, like a listicle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or you know, when they used to do those of uh, the ten strictest colleges in the United States, and number one was going to be Pensacola Christian College. But you've said in the past that. Hiles Anderson College is much, much, much more strict than Pensacola. Yeah, absolutely. Hiles Anderson makes Pensacola Christian College look like a vacation. Jack Hiles often referred to Hiles Anderson as boot camp, and he believed that college life at Hiles Anderson should be purposely difficult. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) That's like the main educational philosophy at, at Hiles Anderson is that it sucks ass like that it's you're that it you hate it yeah his philosophy was the same as like oh you don't enjoy boot camp and it makes you into a soldier you don't enjoy hiles anderson and it makes you into a soldier for god the other Mm. piece of background information that you have to know before we talk about this is that i went to hiles anderson on something called the jericho program The Jericho program was a program where students got deeply discounted tuition, room, and board for your first two years. And instead of working off campus to pay for your school bill, you would instead engage in this highly scheduled program that was supposed to teach you study skills, ease you into college life, set you up for success. But in exchange for getting that deeply discounted tuition... And being involved in this program, you signed a contract where you promised to graduate. And if you didn't graduate within five years, you had to pay back the discount that you got on those first two years. So this program seems deeply predatory. So it's manipulative, like just right off the bat to start with. The graduation contract wasn't my first issue that I had with the Jericho program, though. So originally, the way it was sold to me at youth conferences and by tour groups was that the Jericho program was supposed to have students only doing part of this program would be that you would do work scholarship work for 10 hours a week. And you'd live under additional rules, even stricter than the college rules. You'd have to get up really early. You'd have like mandatory exercise in the morning and then devotions. You'd have extra meetings. Your whole life would be scheduled and they'd build in all of this extra time 
that you didn't have to spend at an off-campus job paying for your education. You'd have all that extra time for homework and for social life and for participating in all of these different sports and clubs that the college was going to offer. But that didn't end up being the case. No, that did that did not be end up being the case. <laughs> and so, like, it's, it, this is just because you can't pay full price, or was it something that they try to get you to do anyway, even if you did have the money? The latter. It wasn't about being able to pay full price. It was supposed to be about getting a more well-rounded college experience than college students in previous generations got, who did Hiles Anderson while also working thirty, forty hours a week at like a a secular job like at a McDonald's or a car factory or a telemarketing firm or selling vacuums door to door. And they're just trying to streamline it. Right. They're they're trying to make you not have to work an off-campus job. And in theory, it's going to give you all this extra time to actually study. So remember, Hiles Anderson is a private unaccredited college. You cannot get student loans to go there. So before Jericho, most students would work full time on top of going to college. The whole point of this is to fix their attrition rates because their attrition rates were so bad because people were going to college full time doing all of the ministry stuff that I'm going to tell you about and working 40 hours a week. A lot of people like my dad worked nights. So he would go to college during the day and work at night and sleep like three hours a night to try to get through Hiles Anderson. And a lot of people just dropped out because of that. So the Jericho program was trying to fix that. It was a scheme to help people graduate on its face. Of course, in reality, it's a scheme to make you graduate so that you can't just do a year and then drop out. I just want to make sure I'm getting this right. So So the school isn't eligible for student loans. Okay, so if you need student loans, you have to go to the school rather than going to the government or going to a bank and saying, hello, I'd like to borrow $40,000 so that I can go to college for four years. And then when I have a job, I'll pay you back. So you've got to go to the school instead. Not quite, because Hiles Anderson does not do loans through the school. You you pay cash out of pocket, period, because they think that you should graduate from college debt free because you are going to go into a job in a fundamentalist church that pays absolutely nothing. So it's it's kind of the same concept as the, okay. So it's the same concept as uh, like a drug dealer fronting you a couple ounces and expecting you to cut it and flip it and pay them back. And if you don't, you're going to end up in the trunk of a car. That's much more the concept, yes, of like OG <laughs> oh, wow. Jericho program. I mean, I guess like props to Hiles Anderson <laughs> for the belief that no one should graduate college with mountains of debt it's like the right like 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 yes that's a not a terrible idea but your execution is awful this is this isn't like this is like a weird horseshoe theory so because like because (laughs) yes so like the wrong way we should have named this a horseshoe theory podcast so that's a great name well we can we i mean we could just start a spinoff show and work twice as hard fine with me you have a baby we can't do that that's that's true so (laughs) i do have a baby so so to so the original way that hiles anderson worked before the jericho program because they wouldn't allow you to have student debt unless like a private person loaned you money like your parents or a pastor or something you 
had to work as you went to college to pay it off. That was just how it was. So the concept of the Jericho program was that you wouldn't have to do that. And the way that I was sold the Jericho program is that you would work 10 hours a week. And it wasn't supposed to be like a work scholarship thing. It was just part of the program. And then you would also get to be involved in one club and one sport. They published a list of the clubs and sports that they wanted to offer. And then you would also have designated times for homework and dating and social activities. And it was sold as like this utopia of all these things that you would get to participate in and barely have any work that you would have to do. However, I showed up on campus in 2011 with my club and my sport all picked out. Uh, I don't remember what club I wanted or what sport I wanted to do. I remember that I wanted to be in the history club because the history club got to help maintain the Jack Hiles Museum on campus and be a tour guide for the museum. And I thought that would be super cool. And when I arrived on campus, they gave me like these registration forms to fill out. And I'm like, hey, where's where is the part on this reg- registration form where I pick my club and my sport? And they were like, oh, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And your work scholarship job is now going to be 20 hours a week, not 10 hours a week. And you're not going to have designated study time or clubs or sports. Uh, But you'll still have mandatory wake-up time and devotions and stricter dating rules than the non-Jericho students and extra meetings and extra requirements. So basically, if you got there 2011 or later, you got all of the bad and none of the good of the Jericho program. I would love, by the way, if we have any listeners who are OG Jericho program, if you want to talk to us about your experience, either in message form or on the podcast, let us know, because I hear it was very different when the program started out. The people who were like my RAs and like seniors at Hiles Anderson when I was a freshman were the first class of Jericho. And it was I have heard that it was extremely different, even just like four years, five years before I went before the college realized that they could not possibly provide the program that they had promised. So what percentage of students at Howells Anderson College would you say were on this? Uh, it's not a loan pro- on this. This uh, I mean, it uh, is a loan program, but you're not allowed to call it that because legally. loans are sinful. <laughs> <laughs> it's usury. It's banned in the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> ah, but what man. percentage of people were on the program? Um, I don't want to try to guesstimate for people who weren't in my class, but I think the people who were freshmen in 2011, I think at least 75% of us were on Jericho. So, okay. So if you don't mind me, so how much is tuition at HAC and how much is room and board and how much do you actually save on this program? I don't remember the separate amounts, but I believe that tuition, room, and board altogether was $9,900 per year, $9,900 a year for non-Jericho. And Jericho, I believe, was was $1,600 or $1,800 for the full year. That is steeply discounted. Yeah. That holy like. So, and with Jericho, you don't have to make payments. You just pay it all up front. So what I did, so if you listen back to last week's episode about how busy I was in high school, I think you'll understand a little bit more why I did not want to get a summer job because I was fucking exhausted. So what I did was I just took everything, all the money that people gave me for high school graduation, and that was enough to pay for my first year of Jericho. 
I like I, this doesn't make any financial sense, though. I mean, how are they going to feed a college student for eighteen hundred for two semesters to begin with? Altogether, it's ninety nine ninety nine. A of all ninety nine hundred dollars per year, including room and board for college in twenty eleven, is is like nothing. That's that's like like I was like when I was looking at at I didn't end up going to U of O I was I went to a private school I went to Willamette University instead but even like U of O which was like a a state school so I could get in state tuition total I would have been looking at like twenty something for uh, school and for room and board. So Hiles Anderson is partially supported by wealthy donors um, like Russell Anderson, who has his name on the college, except for Russell Anderson is now suing the college to try to get his name off of the college because of Jack Scott's behavior and Jack Scott's King James Bible thing, which we talk about in the first family episodes. I would think that it's more the King James Bible thing because it is Russell much Anderson, more the King James Bible thing. But still, like ninety nine hundred dollars per year is cheap to begin with, and this doesn't make any. So they're supported by don- They're supported supported by donors. They own their building. So really, it's just like feeding, and they then they pay their staff absolute. So really, they're just feeding however many students they have for the year, um, and then also running the like gasoline for the buses and utilities for the building is really all that they're paying for. We've talked about the kind of stuff that they were feeding you. It was like army surplus store. <laughs> uh, like the yeah, type of or like a church member would hit a deer with their car and bring the deer to the college. And then that would end up in the dining hall, which is fine. Like I listen, I have eaten a lot of, um, fresh and well-prepared roadkill deer in my life and i will probably do that again it's a perfectly perfectly fine thing to do i don't necessarily appreciate it being served to me in an institutional environment where they don't tell me what it is uh do you remember tiger king with the walmart meat truck yep (laughs) yeah that's that's the vibes that i'm getting i have i have no problem with eating a deer that somebody that i know accidentally hit with their car and then decided to use it instead of just letting it go to waste got no issue with that have an issue with being served it not being told what it is what i'm seeing here is i'm seeing that they're they're feeding you the same like if you're a a a prepper like or like a sob sit prepper and you've got a bunker because you think the government's going to come to get you what they're feeding you is the stuff that the sob sit prepper has in his bunker probably that's, that's what they're feeding yeah okay but 1800 dollars a year that that's like i i don't i don't I, but whatever that's that's nuts. That's like less than going to community college. Well, costs. this is like this is Jack Scott's plan for how to run a college. Is it surprising to you that his plan was not viable? No, I've read two of this man's books. He's financial genius, Jack Scott. <laughs> he's he's a dating genius and a mental health genius, and also got hundreds of people into a Ponzi scheme for which the founder of the Ponzi scheme went to jail. And then he hired that guy while he was being sued for this Ponzi scheme to be a um, personal finance teacher at the college. <laughs> so we, we've covered the financials. and I, 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 I know that was long on the Jericho program, but it, it really is important. So take, take us through a day. What, what are you doing? What's going on? So days at Hiles Anderson College, much like days in high school, started with early morning devotions. 
It was only 30 minutes, so the time commitment itself wasn't that bad. If you weren't up by 630, uh, RAs would go up and down the dorm floor and wake you up. You had to be in the hallway outside your room. So I would just like roll out of bed and then go sit on the floor with my Bible and my prayer list. Um, I did my nails a lot during devotions time because that was the only time of day I really had the time to sit and let them dry. The issue I had with this devotions time wasn't so much that I had to do it. The issue I had with it was that it conflicted with breakfast. So devotions were from 6.30 a.m. to 7 o'clock a.m., which I mean, OG Jericho students had like exercise at 5.30 and then devotions at 6. So it could have been worse on that front. The issue was that you had to be in the hall from 6.30 a.m. to 7 o'clock a.m. or you would be in big trouble. And breakfast was open from like 5.30 until 7.15. And classes started at 8. The college didn't like to let you leave the 8 o'clock time slot open because that is laziness. Sometimes if you were a senior, maybe you could leave your 8 o'clock a.m. open. But the college really pressured you to have a full class schedule and not to have an open hour at 8. There were also dorm checks every morning at 8. And if you were in bed, you'd get in trouble anyway. So even if you did have that time slot open, you still couldn't be in bed. The problem is this makes it almost impossible to get breakfast. Why would they do that? It just seems like they're intentionally bad at scheduling. I mean, I think they did it to save money on breakfast. (laughs) I'm not even joking. That That is literally my opinion, my theory. So... I mean, with with the, the deeply discounted tuition, I mean, I guess you've got to save money somewhere. So they make breakfast inconvenient, so they less, so they spend less money on feeding you. Yeah, that's that is my running theory at this point. That's hilarious. So I, I want to explain like how impossible it was to get breakfast. I think I've told you that if you are an assigned female student, it is against the Hiles Anderson College rules to be seen with wet hair outside your dorm. It's also a huge social faux pas to go out not looking completely presentable and ready for the day. So if you want breakfast as a Jericho student, you have options. Number one, you could get up at 530 go to like put on you have to be dressed within dress code but you could like not do your hair not do your makeup shower the night before go to the dining hall looking kind of schlubby it's very frowned upon it's allowed if you're within dress code but it is very frowned upon because you got to get a husband while you're there and you're not going to get one looking like that so you could roll out of bed at 5 30 get dressed within dress code go eat at the dining hall Got to get back to your dorm floor by 6.30 for devotions. Sit in the hall 6.30 to 7.30, do your devotions, and then get ready. Like, do your hair and makeup, get ready for class, go to class at 8. Option number two, you can get up at 5.30, do your hair and makeup, get dressed within dress code, be totally ready for the day, shoes on, book bag with you, everything. Sit in the hall, do devotions, and then the second the the clock hits 7 o'clock a.m., pop up, shove your Bible in your book bag and book it across campus to get to the dining hall and hope there's still something to eat before breakfast closes at 7.15. It was, that was not a super successful strategy because often you would get there and they wouldn't have anything left for breakfast um, or they would just decide to close breakfast 15 minutes early for no reason. Um, Also, the dining hall and the ladies' dorms are like the furthest two points on the campus away from each other, unless you count the gymnasium. So it's 
and and you gotta wear dress shoes. You you can't you know you can't be running over there in like shorts and tennis shoes. You're you're wearing a long skirt and hosiery and dress shoes. So there's only so fast you can really go. Um, I guess the third option is get up at five a.m. Get ready really quick. Go to the dining hall, eat, get back to your dorm floor by six thirty. Do devotions until seven. Finish getting ready and then go to class. But basically, what I'm saying is that six thirty is the latest you could possibly sleep during a weekday. And if you wanted breakfast, you got to get up earlier than that. Wow, that's that. I mean, maybe they're they're also probably making it harder for the girls because they want to keep you thin. <laughs> that's totally that's, possible. Uh so. But, but so you have to look presentable, like at all times. Yes, it, it's within dress code. And they'll like frown upon you. If so, so outside of the dorms, you'd never see like a young woman with a messy bun. It's not that you would never ever see it. It's highly frowned upon. Mm. We were told um, not to wear our hair up in a ponytail two days in a row. It's not like somebody was keeping track with a notebook of every girl's hairstyle every day. But if female staff members saw you looking unpresentable too many times, you'd get a, you'd get like get pulled aside by a female staff member or you'd just have an appointment made for you at the Dean of Women's office and if you get an appointment made for you, you got to show up. Uh you wouldn't you also would miss out on having your name come up when the staff members who were matchmakers were trying to set people up. So you could also like potentially miss your future husband. Wow. That is my like I like I literally cannot fathom the idea of going to class in college and not seeing at least five people wearing the outfit that is leggings, hoodie, messy bun like that. That was the outfit, like especially if you've gotten early class, you are dressed for comfort. Well, leggings and hoodies are against the rules at Hiles Anderson anyway. Yeah. That's outside of dress code. I think hoodies were allowed for denim days, which was literally like once a year we had a denim day. I think hoodies were allowed for denim days, but there were all these regulations on like what colors they could be and what logos were acceptable, so on and so forth. Minimum, So we had to dress like we worked in a law office, basically. Minimum dress code was a skirt, a blouse, hosiery, dress shoes. And dress code applied to the dining hall as well as classes. I think at the time I was at Hiles Anderson, men could attend breakfast and lunch in shirt sleeves, but had to wear a jacket for dinner. I could have that switched. It could be the other way around. But there were some meals that so men always had to wear a tie to eat in the dining hall, except for like Saturdays and denim days. And then they men had to wear a suit jacket to all classes, chapel, church services and dining hall most of the time. So I guess pajamas or loungewear for class is just so far outside of my realm of understanding because jeans and khakis were against the rules for class. Dude, I wore pajama pants to class literally all the time. I didn't own pajama pants until I was like 20, 21. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and at Hiles Anderson, women are allowed to wear pajama pants in the dorms if it is a matching set of pants and a shirt. And if it's not a matching set, mm. then that is pants and you can get written up for it. You also have to wear a robe over the pants if you are outside your dorm room. You also have to change into a skirt if there's a fire alarm. 
and there were so many what? fire alarms. Yeah. And there was You have to change into a skirt if there's a fire alarm. You have to be you do not have to be in like the full like dressed up dress code with like hose and dress shoes and all of that if there's a fire alarm, but your clothing has to be within clothing regulations. So you have to be wearing a baloney length skirt, a blouse that's appropriately covered, like et cetera, et cetera. How is that legal? I don't this- know. There were so many fire alarms my freshman year that I just slept in like a denim skirt and a blouse. That sounds so uncomfortable. You get used to it. I don't think I could do it now, <laughs> but you get used to it. And also you're so tired that you can sleep anywhere and in anything. So I like a lot of times I just slept in dress code because there were so many fire alarms that it, it wasn't worth it because otherwise you'd have to get up and get changed in the middle of the night to go out during a fire drill. I, if, if Alicia is listening to this episode, she is laughing her butt off because she and I did a lot of those fire drills together. But you get fire alarms like multiple times a night. Sometimes, yeah. Like, I, and I think I've mentioned this before. There was a um, there was an issue with the fire alarm system, and Jack Scop was buddies with the fire marshal and was like trying to make the problem go away. But in the meantime, there were fire alarms all the time. And it's just ruining your life. You're not sleeping. Wow. So, like, there could be a legitimate fire in the in, in the Hiles Anderson build. I don't know. Somebody left their hot plate on. Some boys started one while I was there because he was studying by candlelight because it was after lights out. <laughs> okay. I- <laughs> <laughs> so some, some dumbass preacher boy is like, this is how Jesus did it. Jesus studied by candlelight or by torchlight. I don't know. <laughs> Like, are you like fucking Harry Potter? <laughs> candlelight? Studying by candlelight. I mean, yeah, like the, they, I mean, the boys could get away with that. The girls weren't even allowed to have candles in our dorms, much less light them. Was he writing with like with like a, a, a feather quill? A quill? On, on parchment? I don't, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Was he sending his messages by a uh, correspondence by by telegram <laughs> i i don't know what he was um, doing what was the what was the what kind of oil was the candle made? was it like made out of whale oil <laughs> or uh or 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 beef tallow i'm kind of <laughs> i mean i'm kind of surprised that you chose this to go off on a string of jokes about and not the fact that college students have a bedtime oh i just assume that like this is that's ifb yeah true I, true yeah, I mean, I I didn't have a bedtime. I was, oof, I should have had a bedtime. I'd have been more successful. No, well, like somebody could, somebody could start a legitimate fire and like say the whole building burns down, and you're out there and you're gonna still get written up. Yes, even though like half the buildings burned down if you're wearing pajama pants and you don't have like a robe over it. Yes. Because you didn't have time to grab the robe because oh, you Oh, no. You if you're sleeping robe. in pajama pants, you have to put a skirt over it. A robe isn't good enough to be outside the dorms, even if there's a fire. If you're sleeping in pajama pants, you need to either put a skirt over it, and then when you get outside, you roll the pants up so that people can't see them hanging out the bottom of your skirt, or you just change into a skirt before you leave the building. I'm imagining uh, the wrongful death lawsuit. <laughs> what on... It, it, this this place is insane. Also, if there was a fire drill, you could not you could not speak to or acknowledge any men. So if there was, 
If there was a fire drill in the middle of the night, they had to herd us all into one place to make sure that none of the boys and the girls were like, I don't know, sneaking off and holding hands or anything. So you also were not allowed to speak or acknowledge to any men. Like, even if you saw your boyfriend, you couldn't say anything to him. I guess that Christians don't sue each other. Jesus. So. But so. So, okay. So unless there was a fire drill, classes started at eight. Want to get back into the day? Yeah, uh, that's just so uh, it may be a little bit easier than to get around Hiles Anderson than most colleges, because all of the classes, most of the classes are in the same building. The Hiles Anderson campus is basically three main buildings. Like there's a main building that has all the all the dorms are in that building. All of the classes, all of the offices are in the same place. And then there's a gymnasium gymnasium and a dining hall. The the main campus is a huge, like rectangle shaped building. So all the halls and the classrooms are in a rectangle. There's a courtyard in the middle of the rectangle, Roloff Park, which is where Lester Roloff's plane was. Uh, the mini golf course before they tore it out was also in the middle of that rectangle. Uh, the so I wouldn't walk down the one of the hallways after dark because that's where the fucking crashed plane was, just like right outside the window. Right, the plane that Lester Roloff died in. Yes, the plane I that Lester Roloff that. and like four other people died in. They just put it in a <sighs> courtyard. <laughs> I mean, no wonder that place is fucking cursed. <laughs> but um, so so Jeez. that was alongside, like in the park, like the courtyard, the outdoor courtyard in the middle of this rectangular building. So I didn't want to walk down that one particular hallway after dark because that's where the plane was, and it freaked me out. And then. All of the classrooms are off one side of the rectangle, and then all of the dorms are like long, skinny buildings off the off the other side of the rectangle. But all of that and the bowling alley and the huge college chapel and all of the administration offices and the big entrance that you see on all the promotional materials and the library, all of that is under one big roof. It's and it's on it's on three levels. You can look up a map of this building. Uh, on the Hiles Anderson website. So I might just screenshot that and put it on Instagram for people. So it's not like you've got to walk all the way across campus in the cold. Like if your door, like if, if your dorm is in like the Northeast of campus and breakfast is on the West side and you've got 8 a.m. music theory, 231 and fine arts West, which is in the middle. No, there's, so it's, there's no okay. walking across campus. Um, there's no quad. no. So, like, you're good unless you get unlucky and your class meets in the dining hall. There's there's just nothing to really worry about as far as getting to class. I only remember having one or maybe two classes that met in the dining hall. So, if you're not a disabled person, getting to class is pretty easy. If you have any kind of disability or injury that makes stairs difficult, getting to class is all of a sudden going to be a nightmare because there are no elevators at Hiles Anderson and the whole thing is on three levels. Well, the IFB aren't exactly known for being disability inclusive, unless, of course, you count tokenizing disabled people and turning them into circus attractions for Jesus. True. Uh, so the the staircases down to the lower level are pretty much stable. So the the building is kind of it's kind of a split level thing. But the main level is actually the second floor. And then the first level is like a basement. And the third level is like is up above. Does that make am I making sense? Yeah. The the ground floor is mostly underground. 
So the staircases down there are cement and they're generally fine. The staircase up to the top level, so up on the third level above the main kind of part of the building is a boys dorm, some staff offices, the sewing room is up there. So if your dress code check for the day is in sewing room, you've got to go up these stairs. And then up above the bowling alley is the library up some extremely steep and narrow steps. And then up above that, up above the library, is a third level called the Evening Chapel, and it's used for a lot of freshman seminar-type classes. So there are two flights of extremely steep, narrow stairs up to get to, if you have to go up to the Evening Chapel, and the stairs up to that are so sketchy. When I, I had, um, I had Old Testament survey, I think, or, um, I think it was Old Testament survey. I had a Bible class up at the top of both sets of stairs in the Evening Chapel, and people fell on those stairs all the time. I don't know. They're just sketchy. People fell up and down those stairs pretty much every time we had class. Somebody would trip and fall. Question. Yes, answer. I just want to back up real quick. You said that the the library is above the bowling alley. Yes. Doesn't that get noisy? No. Nobody uses the bowling alley. Why do they have... Why does this fake-ass college have a bowling alley? Uh, because I, I don't know. Apparently, they used it in the 80s. I remember going to visit Hiles Anderson as a little kid and using the bowling alley. So by the time I went there, nobody really used the bowling alley. I don't know if it was active or not. I just know that nobody ever went there. Of course, speaking of stairs, I can also tell you from personal experience that the stairs in the girls' dorms, especially the ladies' Hiles dorm, are concrete and some of the concrete is broken so if you step on it wrong you can fall down the stairs and get a concussion is that what happened to you that is what happened to me you know okay have you ever been to an apartment building that has outdoor stairs and it's like a cast iron framework with slabs of iron or slabs of concrete as the actual steps yes where you can like see through the stairs yeah this is making sense okay they were like that but one of the slabs of concrete was cracked So if you stepped on the edge, you were fine. But if you were in a hurry because you had math class at eight o'clock in the morning and because you can fail classes if you're late too many times at Hiles Anderson and you step on the middle of that step because you're not paying attention, what will happen to you is the step will shift and you will fall headfirst down concrete stairs. Sadie, uh, serious question. Have you ever thought about seeking legal recourse against Hiles Anderson because this is obvious like obviously you're not the only person who this happened to you I I have thought about it like you had a traumatic brain injury from falling down the well I probably had a traumatic brain injury I don't know because it was never treated or diagnosed God, I, you should you should still fucking sue them. I I don't. I will find you a fucking lawyer. You will sue the shit out of these people. I am hundred. I'm still. I'm. Everything about this college makes me angry. I'm sorry. Like just. So the standard Hiles Anderson schedule is usually three classes and then chapel and then one more class and then lunch. I think some people had an alternate schedule where they had lunch after chapel and then one more class just to where everybody wasn't at lunch at the same time. Wait, so you have four classes in the morning and chapel? Yes. There were uh, there were also some Jericho people who had work in the morning and class in the afternoon. 
but the afternoon classes were smaller. It was really just for for people who had scheduling conflicts and mostly people who had work work scholarship in the mornings. Uh, I was never on that schedule, so I'm not 100 percent sure how it worked. But there's like there's like a little a little saying or a little chant they do like class, 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 chapel, class. And what that means in Hiles Anderson language, like he'll have you do it over and over again, like class, 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 chapel, class, 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 chapel, class, 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 chapel, class, class, chapel, chapel, class, 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 chapel, class, class, chapel, chapel, class. Yeah. Well, what that means in Hiles Anderson speech is it translates to another saying that they say all the time at Hiles Anderson, which is, um, do what you're supposed to do. Be where you're supposed to be. What is it? Oh, man, I can't remember it now. The unbrainwashing has taken effect. Yeah, it's something. Do what you're supposed to do. Be where you're supposed to be. And then there's a third part. And I can't remember what that is. Somebody's going to correct me like the minute this episode comes out. Is it think for yourself because I won't be there with you? Because that's a Beatles lyric. Y- yes. Yes. Hiles Anderson is do. very in favor of thinking for yourself. <laughs> So anyway, what it translates to in Hiles Anderson's speech is, yes, this is mundane and repetitive, but you have to show up for all those things. You have to be consistent, do all those things that you're supposed to do and don't ever be lazy or slack off or anything. Did you ever have so did did you have all the same classes every day of the week? No, we uh, so some classes were five days a week. Uh, A lot of classes were a lot of things. So some classes were five days a week. Some classes were one day a week. The one day a week classes were freshman, like freshman seminar classes. So the freshman seminar classes I had to take were Christian womanhood, book of the book of Proverbs, uh, preparation for leadership, which is the anti-feminist class, uh, fundamental man, which is the class that Kenny Scott taught on the life of Jack Hiles and personal finance. So those would be one day a week and one would be on Monday and one would be on Tuesday. And they they set it up that way on purpose because all freshmen have to take those classes. Through the rest of like my other three semesters, other than, other than my very first semester, uh, a lot of times classes would be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you'd have one class Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 a.m. and then another class Tuesday and Thursday at 9 a.m. If you were extremely lucky, you might get... Uh, two two credit classes in a semester. So one would be Monday, Wednesday at 9 a.m. And then the other one would be Tuesday, Thursday at 9 a.m. And then you'd have a free period on Friday at 9 a.m. But they really mm. try not to schedule you for that uh, because they don't like you having free periods. See, that's interesting because I, I don't think I ever had any classes that were five days a week. The one that I remember always being, so math and science classes were always five days a week. And I... Uh, really? Yes. Hmm. <clears throat> and I took I took calculus one and two. I took linear algebra and I took trigonometry while at Hiles Anderson. And all okay. of those, so math, as to my memory, all of those were five credit classes or four credit classes that met five times a week. I think some larger Bible classes may have been five days a week, but I could be totally wrong on that. I need to try to find my class schedule. But you couldn't arrange things so that. Because they don't want you to have any free. So, like, you couldn't arrange things so that all your classes were Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you had Tuesdays and Thursdays off. Because I did no. that once. Yeah, that would just not be allowed at Hiles Anderson unless you had a, a work, unless you were going to be at work on Tuesday and Thursday. Like, they have so much concern for what is going on. Like, they're all up in your business all the time. And that just seems so weird to me that, like, anybody would care that much. It's. <laughs> 
you know, it is a lot. It is very much a surveillance state. So we would have uh, class at eight, nine, and ten, chapel at eleven, and then either one more class and then lunch, or lunch and then one more class. And then after that, I would have about. I guess about two hours before I started my Jericho job, job, two and a half hours before I started Jericho job. Uh, I worked from 3.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I had Wednesday off. So this break from whenever I got done with lunch to when my job started was theoretically the time I should have been doing homework. I almost never actually did homework. (laughs) I I mostly either had a social life or slept. There were a lot of times that... um, So you could choose to get a hot lunch at the dining hall or to go through a line, uh, like a deli, and get a sack lunch. A lot of times I would just get a skip lunch or get a sack lunch so that I could eat more quickly and then take a nap. Because I was so tired. My Jericho program job, I did get a fairly cushy Jericho pro- uh, program job. And it's probably either because I turned down Yale to go to Hiles Anderson and they thought it would make a good story or because somebody in the job handing out department knew my dad uh, or both. I don't know what specifically gave me, got me a super cushy Jericho job. Like I didn't have to work in the dining hall or uh, cleaning or anything like that, which were objectively worse Jericho assignments. It's probably that I turned down some pretty serious college scholarships to go to Hiles Anderson. Um, They thought that if I worked in the student admissions office, I could use my story to manipulate more people into coming to Hiles Anderson. So my job was to call people who had filled out interest forms. Like when the tour groups go to different churches, they get interest forms, like postcard interest forms filled out by all the kids in the youth group at whatever church they're at. So I would take those forms and then cold call and try to get a warm call and try to get those kids to fill out college applications over the phone and then also just promote Hiles Anderson, try to make it seem seem super cool and get those kids excited about coming to Hiles Anderson. I remember getting those calls when I was uh, um, a, a junior and senior in high school, not from Hiles Anderson, but from other colleges. I'm just trying to imagine what would have happened because, I mean, you had ACE and Abeka. If you'd have like gone to like a real prestigious university right out of college, I mean, right out of high school. I, do, I don't know. Uh, on one hand, if I hadn't gone to Hiles Anderson, I wouldn't have had the TBI that really impacted my uh, uh, processing ability and my like my mental abilities were completely different before that concussion. And we have I mean, we have listeners who knew me before that concussion who could tell you that I was I was just I was way quicker on I was quicker on the pickup. I was quicker on the draw. I could come up with the words I was trying to say better. I had a much better short term memory. So, I mean, maybe I would have gotten to a prestigious university and struggled in freshman level classes, but been able to pull it together because I had some natural abilities. Or maybe I would have gotten there and it would have been a complete show. Who knows? It's not that I think that you wouldn't have been smart enough. It's that I think that you would have gotten there and maybe you would have taken like a biology class or something. And I mean, that's that's a that's a big reason I didn't go like my the the amount what I was offered from Yale, like based on my parents income and my test scores. So you applied and got in. I did not apply. I was (laughs) pre-approved. My ACT was that high. 
they just sent me a pre-acceptance letter. Wow. I mean, also, like, it's for demographics. Like, they have to admit a, a thing that Ivy Leagues have to do is they have to admit a certain number of economically disadvantaged students. So if you are really f***ing poor and your ACTs are really f***ing high, they really want you to go to their college. Okay, that 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 makes sense. Because, yeah. like, I mean, that's that's a difficult, you know, I knew people in high school that were doing every single, like, club trying to get into an Ivy. And, like, maybe one <laughs> They person- should have been poor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, they were all, you know, they, they all, like, grew up like i did you know they they had like you know their parents were like doctors or lawyers or you know yeah they, uh, like their parents were white collar workers and likely both parents worked or often both parents worked or they might not have they might have just been a single family income and just been able to like be i mean because yeah. my mom never worked when i was growing up so okay so yeah so i got um pre-accepted okay. to yale and yes, my test scores were were good, but also my economic situation, my family's economic situation was so bad that those two things combined were why they really, really, really wanted me. With the with all the stuff I was eligible for, my room board and tuition for Yale would have been slightly over a thousand a year. So it was actually cheaper than going to Heil Sanderson. Wow. And you turned it down for Well, I turned it down because I didn't I didn't think I could like I thought I I well I can't go to I mean my okay my big reason for not going was I knew that Yale had a big drinking culture and I didn't feel I felt like it would be sinful to be around that much alcohol. That's I mean that's understandable if you're coming from the environment that you were coming from. That would be such a shock. But also like I knew that I would be in biology classes, and I legitimately thought as an 18-year-old fundy, I thought there would be a question on the biology exam of, is evolution real? And then I would have to be the persecuted Christian fundy and write no in big, bold letters. And then I'd get called up in front of the class and told how wrong I was because of persecution. Sounds like a Kirk Cameron movie. Yes, but I thought that was how the world worked. Like, I thought that was what would happen. And then I thought that I would get kicked out of the school because of Christian persecution. And I'd end up in front of the Supreme Court. And I just, I didn't want to go through all that that I assumed would happen because I did not understand how the world worked. You'd have been a martyr for Jesus, but like an educational martyr for Jesus. Um. So I thought that my parents um, didn't force me to go to Hiles Anderson. Actually, they kind of tried to talk me out of it, which looking back may have not been the best move for them, because if you try to talk me out of doing something, that makes me more likely to do it. True. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's probably how my parents learned that lesson about me. And I've tried to mitigate that in my life as I've become more of an adult, because that's not the healthiest mindset or whatever. No, I still do that, though. See, I I try... I try not to make that a primary point of my decision making because I feel like there are other things I should also consider um, in addition to not being not liking being told what to do. But my my parents um, really wanted me to go to college near home, like go to a regular college because there were a lot of colleges in Missouri that had recruited me. I think it was Webster that offered me something for piano performance degree think it was webster i can't remember um but uh they had recruited me and midwestern had recruited me or northwestern had recruited me and um 
Wesleyan, which is a Christian university, like a really big Christian university. Anyway, my parents uh, tried to get me to go to one of those instead of Hiles Anderson, and I really should have done that. Well, your dad went to Hiles Anderson. He knew how it was. Yeah. So I do. Anyway, I think that story is why I got picked to work in the student recruitment department because there was this whole thing going on when I was new at Hiles Anderson. People who had extraordinary stories of how they got there were very much idolized. I went to college with a girl whose entire family was Hindu, and she had been the only one who converted to Christianity, and she chose to attend Hiles Anderson, and she was... People just worshipped the ground she walked on. Oddly, she was a really, really nice person. Usually, people who have that kind of adulation are terrible in real life. She was actually incredible. Really sweet girl. But no one was lining up to, to you know, worship the ground that you walked on, even though you could have gone to Yale. So I was good. at My story was good enough to get me a very cushy Jericho job. Uh, it wasn't good enough to get me to speak in chapel like that other girl. It's not like you were raised by heathens. So... <sighs> Oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> the parents are sweet to have met them. Wow, anyway, that's that's cool. why I think I got the cushy Jericho job placement. So what was this job? You you worked at a call center. Worked in a call center. It was my first actual job, the uh, first job of any kind other than like babysitting and working for the church. I mean, they didn't pay you, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> but I... So I just I called people... Um, I feel bad about recruiting people to Hiles Anderson, but I also met some really cool people through it. This is how I met Sarah, who is like a longtime podcast fan, Facebook group member. This is how we met because I called oh, her and wow. tried to convince her to go to Hiles Anderson. Fortunately, she I didn't get through to her. <laughs> but this is also how I met Amy, who's like longtime podcast listener, Facebook group member. Amy and I work together. I have to be super nice to Amy because she could tell people about how weird I was back then. <laughs> what do you feel worse about? That's a terrible way to start a question. What do you feel worse about? Uh, the, the people who you successfully recruited to into the IFB or the IFB people who you successfully recruited into going to Hiles Anderson? I didn't really successfully recruit a lot of people into the IFB. Like I had a lot of salvations, <laughs> but I don't feel too bad about that because praying a prayer doesn't really like that's not going to instill a lot of religious trauma if somebody stopped on the sidewalk one time to pray a five minute prayer for me. Like, like They'll probably forget about it before they go to bed. You know. Like, there's a very, very small chance that I inflicted a small amount of religious trauma, but it's it's not on the level of getting somebody to go to Hiles Anderson. Best case scenario, maybe it led to them finding a faith practice or non-faith practice that worked for them in the future. I feel bad for, like, waking up hungover people on Saturday mornings, but, <laughs> you know, it's not the end of the world. Oh. I, I would, so I would say I feel worse about people that I recruited to HAC, but one person that I know of that I was directly responsible for getting to come to Hiles Anderson married the sister of one of my good friends, and now they're missionaries. And... The two of them actually seem really happy. So on one hand, I was partially responsible for what seems like a really happy marriage. On the other hand, I helped make missionaries. So not super psyched about that. Mm. So it, it's complicated. I Okay, I have to say this before we move on so I don't get in trouble. I also met Morgan through my 
student recruitment job. Oh, you mean your actual BFF? My actual BFF, Morgan. Uh, what is your Hiles Anderson spiel like? Like you're, you're calling these people up on the phone. What, what do you do? Like, are, are, are you trying to paint it as like a dream come true? What we were calling for was more of like a high pressure sales tactic. It was more mm-hmm. like, what can I do to get you to fill out an application today? Because they figure you fill out the application and you like you automatically get in if you apply. Right. I mean, 12 year olds fill out applications all the time. You're not like pitching it to them and saying like, oh, you're going to have the best time here. You're going to make the greatest friends. You're going to really uh, find yourself in Jesus. I mean, I was I had a script and I honestly don't remember it because who pays attention to the scripts that they read at a call center job? A lot of it was questions. A lot of it was, um, you know, people would ask me stuff about the college and I would answer honestly, just trying to put it in the best possible light. The big thing I remember is people would ask me all the time what the current number of students was. And I would ask my boss. And now I strongly think the college was lying to me about the number of students. So what what were they telling you? They were telling me like 1,400. Really? Uh, and I, I think there were like 800 current when, students. When I went to Willamette, it was like 1,400, 1,500 undergrad. I don't think there were that many. I just don't. And that campus is like a mile wide from yeah, one Yeah, I to think the other. they were including online students. Yeah, that seems fishy. That's that that doesn't I think hold water they to me. gave that number including graduate students who didn't live on campus and all of the online. And you could start doing Hiles Anderson online degree at like 16. And like a lot of homeschoolers would do that. A lot of homeschoolers would take like half of their credits on you could i think at the time you could you could start school at hiles anderson with up to half of your credits already done online there was there were all these complicated rules about it but a lot of homeschoolers did hiles anderson online starting at like 16 and then came to college halfway done huh i worked i think 3 30 p.m to 9 p.m were my hours my job was just calling through all of these hundreds of leads so you're working four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday. Right. And Wednesday was supposed to be my day off. But because I was a fundy, I volunteered on that day. The college sent students, education students out to a local high school that had low graduation rates. And we were there to help students with homework and SAT prep, uh, SAT prep and that kind of thing. So on Wednesday, I would get on a bus immediately after lunch, drive out, like get out to the high school, volunteer at the high school for a couple of hours. And then the bus would drop us off at church early before the Wednesday night church service. So you're saying that this, so this is volunteer work in that it doesn't go towards your tuition. Okay. Right. Because you're saying volunteer, but they're also not paying you. Right. So I was, I was volunteering. Like, so like Wednesday was, I was giving up my day off is what I was doing to do this additional extra work. And as we go through this, as we, as we work through this episode, you'll understand why that was such a big deal. But working with that high school is one of the fundy things that I regret the least. I do feel like I actually made a good impact on people and maybe helped somebody graduate high school, which that's a good thing. You're, so you're working this call center job. You're working from 3.30 to 9. What are you doing after that? 
So I got done with work at 9 p.m. So I had an hour before curfew. Most often what I did was go to the piano practice rooms and either just play piano by myself, decompress, or I'd get a group of friends to all meet me after work and we'd all sit around and sing IFB approved songs, which may seem boring, but was actually the best part of my day. The piano practice rooms were in a dating prohibited zone, so we had to make sure we had at least three people there. If there were going to be, like, if there was going to be a guy there, there had to be at least three people there. So you've got to coordinate it. Like, if somebody has got to go to the bathroom or go get a soda or whatever, somebody might have to step out of the room. It's complicated, and staff chaperones would come through on their rounds, but it was generally a good time. We would honestly, my friend group and I would pack those piano practice rooms are tiny. They're like just big enough for a piano and a person. And we would pack like 10 people in there and just be singing our hearts out. And it was really honestly a good wholesome time. Then I had to be in the door of my dorm by 10 p.m. Getting back to the dorms right before curfew is pretty awful because all the dating couples come out of the jewel pool and the guys walk the girls back to their dorms. It's just a sea of eye babies outside the dorm doors from like 9.45 to 10. Oh, God. Yep. The, the eye babies thing is so gross. It's, it's so disgusting to me. Just... <laughs> So once in a while, we would have a ladies meeting or a dorm hall meeting after curfew. If there was a ladies meeting, we'd have to go all go to the chapel. This is like when Jack Hiles would give those ladies meetings that we've talked about, like where he would do bodybuilding poses and the girls would sing songs about how much they loved him and he would give them all pizza or money. It's that That kind of meeting. uh, We've talked about these. I know we've talked about it, but every time you bring that's a very (laughs) strange thing to do. That's like... Well, the problem is that we didn't have Jack Hiles. We just had a meeting about some inane topic, but they still expected us to like sing stupid songs and jump up and down on the chairs and everything else at 10 o'clock night. So I, I remember one, if you want to know how dumb the topics of these meetings were, I remember one meeting that we had about proper disposal of menstrual products, but the staff were too prudish to say pads or tampons or bathroom trash cans. So the staff said, cookies, and make sure you wrap up your cookies before you put them in the cookie boxes. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And then I had to have a very informative conversation with my dorm supervisor, where she explained all the terminology. (laughs) Ah, ah, That's no. C is for cookie. It's good enough for me. (laughs) I'm not doing that right now. It just also just ruined my ability to take the word cookie seriously for like five years. What you know what probably happened, dude? What probably what probably happened was their pipes kept getting clogged because people were flushing their tampons and they wanted to save money on like the plumbing budget. It- <laughs> what plumbing budget? It was all Jericho students having to fix it if something got broken. Well, was it the boys or the girls that had to do that? boys see that's the thing the boys are gonna have to clean the pipes out with the oh can't inconvenience the men well it's not that you can't inconvenience them it's that they can't come into physical contact with or even see confirmation that such a thing even exists that might that might be it that's amazing so if it was a dorm hall meeting 
uh, it would be shorter, so that was nice. But we'd all have to sit in the hall on the dorm floor and sing songs and have some kind of devotional speech by one of the RAs or get in trouble for something. But if there, there usually wasn't a ladies' meeting. Those were pretty rare. So usually I would get back to my dorm at 10, get ready for bed. And often I would be in bed before lights out. Lights out was at 11 p.m., the dorm supervisors would come around to make sure your lights were off, confiscate any earbuds that they saw, that sort of thing. And I was ready to go to sleep by 1030 because I had to get up the next day and be in the hall for 630 at devotions. And if you're hungry at bedtime, you better set your alarm for 530 or you're not going to eat till lunchtime tomorrow. God, that's this is nuts. This is the week. This is the easy part. We're about to get into the weird part. Oh God. So, so if, if you've got all your classes five days a week. And you've got work after classes. And then immediately after that, you go back to the dorm. And then you've got ladies meeting or whatever. And then it's lights out. When do you have time to do homework? Because I like if, if you have a class Monday and then you have the class again Tuesday, I assume if they give you assignment, it's going to be due the next day, right? So there weren't... There weren't a lot of assignments in the way that you would get them in regular college. Like papers or projects were pretty rare. Papers, if you did get assigned a paper, it was usually like write 500 words explaining this Bible verse or the doctor write 500 words on the doctrine of soteriology. So you didn't have to cite sources. You just went into your class notes and like reworded what the teacher said in the class about that verse or about that topic. And that was what was expected. You were not expected to look up research or cite sources or anything like that. And then a lot of our assignments were reading assignments. Like for Old Testament survey, for example, you had to sign a paper at the end of the semester that said you read the entire Old Testament that semester. But that could be done if you were willing to just bend your ethics just a little bit. You could do that reading during devotions time in the morning. You weren't supposed to do that, but I sure did. Also, people just lied about it. (laughs) You could just say you didn't do it or say you did it and actually not do it. Plenty of people did that. You could also like do that Bible reading thing. You could do that during dinner or during bus rides to and from the church. I had homework for calculus and trig and math classes that I took. That I would do in the gap between lunch and work or more often during other classes. So... My, I, I've realized what my mistake is, is that I have erroneously conflated strictness with high academic standards. It just seems mm-hmm. like, so what you're explaining to me, what you're it's just brutal as far as labor goes, but it's not academically challenging. Okay. That's the thing that I was missing. Well, it, it's not a real college. Right. Duh. I know it's cold college. It's not real college. Duh. I, like I it's that. it's mostly no, I, I, you don't have to do original research or write papers with sources or uh, learn things. It's just memory work. You just you remember you take notes, you study your notes, you memorize your notes, you memorize the Bible verses on the tests, and then the test is mostly fill in the bank fill in the blank type questions or write first Corinthians seven fourteen. So you can graduate from Hiles Anderson College with a Bible degree or like a preaching degree or whatever, and you won't actually know anything. Well, you'd know the Hiles Anderson version of fundamentalist Christianity and the Hiles Anderson approved interpretation of the King James Version extremely well. And you'd have four years of experience in church work. Do they teach you anything about other interpretations or is it like even 
to teach you why they're wrong? Like, or, or is it just straw men? Like they, they just, they, they teach you why other religions and denominations are wrong. There's a class on cults. They include pretty much every other major religion in that class. And the entire class is like, well, this is why it's wrong according to the IFB interpretation. So this is where they're teaching you that the Catholics, um, are bringing Jesus out of heaven and crucifying him again. Yes. Okay. 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 And then if you take um, personal evangelism is another required freshman year class. And when you take that, they explain how to convert all sorts of different types of people. Hmm. Something like that. <laughs> okay. So if, if by, by the way, if you took, if, if you are a listener and you took cult class at Hiles Anderson College, please email us and let us know that what exactly they taught you about everybody uh because i am dying to know especially if you still happen to have kept notes from that class i would be highly interested in reading them sadie uh why don't we i I feel like we've reached a natural pause why don't we take up the offering and then we'll come back and we'll talk about weekends that sounds great cool Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We are back and it in the... We are back from our break. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for waiting for us. Excuse me. In the first half of the episode, we heard all about how hard Hiles Anderson College works their students. But sadly enough for Sadie, I am guessing that Hiles Anderson College was not a work hard, play hard situation. Uh, it's more like work hard, work hard situation. <laughs> Um, so I definitely saved the wildest ride for the end here with a weekend in the life of a Hiles Anderson College bus worker. My second year, I worked in the chapel ministry. 
which was a little bit less intense. But we're going to stick with talking about my freshman year because that's when I did my one year of required bus ministry. So bus ministry is a requirement, freshman. It was at the time that I went there. I think the the rules around that have changed through the years. At one time, it may have been required to do more than one year. At one time, it may have not have been required at all. The year that I attended, you had to do at least one full year in bus ministry before you were allowed to go move on to any of the ministries that were considered easier. But if something is like maybe not required, does that still mean that you have to do it even if it's not So like- you have to do weekend ministry, period. Saturday and Sunday, no exceptions. The There are other things that are available other than bus ministry. Like one is um, RUSA Responsibility, Responsibility USA, which is a teen ministry. One thing you could do was chapel ministry. There were, you know, you could be in the deaf ministry or you could be in the Pathfinders ministry, which is the ministry for mentally disabled, developmentally disabled people. But you had to do a year of straight up bus ministry first. So is this different from being on the bus uh, when you're in high school? Is it the same thing? It's the same concept. Uh, you go to a poor area. You go out on Saturday. You knock on doors, get parents to sign permission slips for their kids to come to church, witness to people, try to get people saved. Then on Sunday morning, you go get all the kids You bring them to church, you have church service, and then you take them home. You do spring programs, you try to get more and more people to church, save the city, save America, save the world. Same idea, just a much, much larger scale. So let's get into my weekend starting on Saturday morning. If I'm remembering correctly, we didn't have to do the 30-minute required devotions time on weekends because a lot of us would be out the door before 6.30 anyway. I always went to breakfast on Saturday because I had to, to pick up a sack lunch for the day. Breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays was usually cereal, which was actually great. The only thing better than that was Fridays when they had cinnamon rolls. Mm. The bad news is that sack lunches at Hiles Anderson are horrifying. They were usually usually a PB&J. Every once in a while, you'd get a ham or turkey sandwich, an apple or an orange, a bottled water, and maybe a bag of chips or a muffin, like, you know, the kind of muffins that you'd get from Sam's Club in a big pack. Oh, yeah, like Costco muffins. Costco muffins, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, these sandwiches were made ahead of time and refrigerated, maybe frozen, I'm not sure. So the PB&J had completely absorbed into the bread. So what this sandwich actually was, was two slices of soggy bread. One is peanut butter flavored. The other one is jelly flavored. And then the middle might or might not still be frozen, depending on what time you picked up your sack lunch. It was extremely gross. And it was all you had to eat on the weekends if you couldn't afford fast food. I am continually in awe of like about how cheap the fundies can be, especially like they're working you like to the bone. I mean, they can't even like spring for, you know, like the Uncrustables. They can't even just like buy 10,000 Uncrustables. I feel like at one point they did give us Uncrustables, but then like for a limited time and then they went back to the nasty sandwiches. My guess would be that they gave us, I don't remember, but my guess would be if I'm correct that they did give us Uncrustables at one point that it was before Jack Scott went to jail because they were just hemorrhaging money after Scott went to jail because so many people oh. dropped out. No, I can imagine. I'm like, I'm th- this is legitimately horrifying. I mean, they, they really, they're working you the, like a, 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 a soggy PB and J what flavor jelly? Grape jelly. Grape jelly. Yeah. 
That's the wor- that's the worst flavor of jelly. It's also the it cheapest flavor do- of jelly. Ah, man. Yeah. So wait until you hear about the weekend of I'm activity just- that we have to do on this very bottom tier level of sustenance. Oof. Okay, so yeah. Saturday morning, ah. we would have a bus workers meeting in the college chapel. I don't remember what time it would usually be, but I feel like it was maybe 7.30 or 8. Sometimes we had to be bussed over to the church for a bigger, more hype bus workers meeting. So in, where, wherever we had it, the bus workers meeting consisted of singing songs, getting fundy hyped. Usually the leader of the bus ministry would get up and give a sermon about how we were all lazy and didn't love God enough. Towards the end of the school year, they would also preach about how you don't love God and you don't love your bus kids if you go home over the summer and abandon them. Usual fundy stuff. So then we would split off into bus divisions. So divisions, how they have it set up is that divisions are in charge of specific areas of Chicago and Northwest Indiana. I was in division seven, which was in charge of the far east part of Chicago, way up by the lake, like the closest part of Chicago to both Indiana and Lake Michigan. We had um, like the very bottom of Lake Michigan. We had 99th and commercial and then, uh, let's see, then 100 and something to 119th Avenue A to Avenue, like Avenue N, Avenue O. So if anybody looks up a map of Chicago, they can see kind of what area of town I was in. Your bus division would have a meeting, which was the same thing as the bus meeting. Sing songs, get fundy hyped. Somebody gets up and tells you that you don't love God enough and you got to work harder. My division leader was known for being extremely lax and very sarcastic. So he would get up and say something like, well, I'm supposed to get up here and say that you don't love God enough and you're not working hard enough. There, I said it. Now that I've said it, let's all do some chants so they think we're really fired up in here and I don't lose my job. So everybody, <laughs> like everybody knew that that guy did not give a sh- did they, like did nobody rat him out though or like were you guys just happy to not have to do the same thing twice and and get all the he, guilt and shame he had a lot of power in the church the the higher ups knew that he did not care but he had a lot of power in the church so their their hands were tied there was nothing that they mm. could do about it this particular guy um was one of the major fixers for church scandals and jack scott oh. needed a lot of fixing <laughs> so he had all the dirt on everybody he had way more and, dirt than mm. most people he had he had probably he was probably the third highest as far as ranking of people who had the dirt mm. as long as he sort of acted like he was doing what he was supposed to do nobody could say anything did you know that like oh, yeah. when you were when you were a kid, like you knew that he was the guy with the dirt and that's why they couldn't touch him. Oh yeah. How how does that work? Like I mm. I mean, we didn't understand I think the extent of the dirt that existed, but we understood oh this guy has a lot of power and they can't he's indispensable to the church. So if you were oh, if you were really okay. sold out and you wa- and you felt like his attitude was too laid back you would just go to another bus division where they were they were more extreme um the bus divisions have they have reputations everybody knew that division division seven did not care that much it did lower your social standing a little bit to be a part of it but even as sold out as i was i could not fathom trying to transfer divisions and then go even harder so you get to choose what mm-hmm. bus division you're in yeah the first few okay. weeks of college are like rush week where people try to recruit you to their division all of the 
cute guys who are bus captains will come flirt with you and try to convince you to be a bus worker on the route. Um, you get to go try out different bus routes before you settle into one. And then the divisions have reputations. So when I was at Hiles, and they shift over time, the, the reputations can change over time. But when I was there, Division 9 were like the really rowdy, almost frat-like guys. They just went super f***ing hard on their bus route. Division 13 was for the really tough guys. Not as rowdy as D9, like a little bit more serious and stoic, but like the super hardcore people. Uh, Division 5 was also fairly hardcore. And then Division 7 was like for the people who didn't really want to work very hard. So word would get around like who is an easy bus captain, who's a real brown noser, who's really strict about the rules, who's going to rat you out if you lie on your reports. All of that went around word of mouth and you would try to gather all that information before you chose a division. And then you could, it was perfectly allowed to switch bus routes or switch divisions during the school year if you wanted. It just, it wasn't, it, you'd get a lot of, you'd lose social standing if you switched very often. But so w- would your teachers, because your teachers are in charge of finding you a match. They help, yeah. Yeah. So so would they say, oh, I see that you are in D7 maybe you're going to have some difficulty finding a husband who is on fire for God. If you're in D7, you should really be in D9 if you want a really, Mm -hmm. really. Mm. Yeah, that was definitely a thing. And I cared, but I didn't, I didn't really want to marry the guy who is like super, super bombastic. That's not, I mean, you've, you've met my husband. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't really want to marry the guy who was going to run me all over the country being an evangelist and expecting me and my 13 children to live out of a motorhome. So I wasn't really looking for like the the ridiculously on fire for God guy. I was more looking for like the quiet studious type. And then I got recruited for D7 and I made friends there and I called my parents my first week getting home from the bus route and I found out that my bus route that I had just been visiting was a few blocks from where my dad's bus route was when he was a Hiles Anderson student. Oh, okay. So you could always use that as like an excuse and you can just be like, well, this is the one my dad yeah. went. So, and like everybody yeah, okay. knew it's such a huge part of your personality whose kid you are, especially if you're a pastor's kid. The other, the other, my, my fellow students didn't know who my dad was because he didn't have a really big IFB church, but every single teacher at Hiles Anderson, when I went there, went to college with my dad. They all knew, oh, he's the guy who made the church with a heart video. They all knew, oh, he's the guy who originated all of these classic skits. Oh, he was friends with so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, I know exactly who your dad is. And it doesn't help that if, you know, when I don't have bright blue hair, I look exactly like a 20-something-year-old version of my dad anyway. It was, it was, um, it made sense that I would be, they all knew who he was and what bus route he was on back in the day. So it made sense that I would want to be on the same bus route. So if people called me on it, I could fall back on that. Oh, she even out. Yeah. And I also loved Mm -hmm. the people who were on that bus route. Uh, It was a lot of intergenerational Latino families, but it was not an area where you had to be fluent in Spanish to get by. So I took I took a semester of high school Spanish and my dad spoke Spanish really well. So he had taught me a little bit and that was plenty to get by on that bus route. I didn't if you went to like division 13, you had to full on learn Spanish because there were 
so many people who did not speak English at all. So the level that I already spoke was fine. I got to hang out with my friends who were in that bus division. And also, my dad did not want me to go to a hardcore division because he had seen people get in really dangerous situations back in the day. And he really pushed me toward going to the more laid back division. So, I mean, I assume that you like, I mean, still you were like sold out fundy. Mm -hmm. So you took this seriously. Yeah, I took it. I took it extremely seriously. Um, I'll tell you in a couple minutes about some of some of the stuff I like didn't want to get into with the more hardcore divisions. Did people ever go missing from bus ministry? I don't know of it happening in my time at Hiles Anderson. Uh, I think there were some students who got injured back like in the 80s and 90s. I think by the time I was there, the locals knew who we were and what we were doing, and they would more just avoid us. We, A lot of us saw some shit go down, but I don't know of anybody who like didn't come back. My ex, Noah, saw a drive-by happen literally right in front of him. Like They put the victim Jesus. in his bus captain's car and drove him to the hospital. So like shit did happen frequently. <laughs> I got, I mean, I, I ended up in the crossfire of a minor gang shootout one time. Yikes. So like it did happen, but I don't know of people who didn't make it back. I, I'm just wondering how they go about like keeping you guys safe. Cause I assume they're not sending men and women out together in pairs to go soul winning. Right. So how do they keep you safe? Well, you weren't so you weren't even allowed to date somebody on your same bus route. You could date somebody within your division, but you could not date on the same bus route. The exception to that rule was if a guy was a bus captain, once he was engaged, his fiance could transfer over and be on his bus route. How they kept us safe was not you just go out there. I I remember I mean I know I know who I was with I know what happened um this this girl who was a sophomore and I was a freshman I was like 2 weeks into my freshman year I was so green uh we were on we were on the bus route and um all of a sudden all these people in white shirts and tan pants come swarming down the street like 20 like 20 people and they all start pulling guns well, several of them start pulling guns and the two of us are just on this lady's porch who we had been in the middle of witnessing to just watching this. And the sweet lady that we were witnessing to literally grabbed us by the arms and pulled us into if you've ever been to Chicago or maybe you've seen this like in um a Christmas story, that movie, uh, they have a lot of houses, especially older houses in Chicago, have like a, a mud room, like a screened in little tiny hallway type room. So it'll be a door, this little tiny mud room, and then another door, which is actually the front door of the house, um, and then the entrance to the house. She pulled us inside that little mud room and physically pushed us down behind a brick wall because the two of us were so naive that we were just going to watch a gunfight go down in the middle of the street. Um, probably so. <laughs> I don't know. She could have saved my life. Who knows? God. But she just like physically pulled us down behind this wall and it wasn't a big deal. There were like a couple shots fired. I don't think anybody got hit. Um, it was, it was, you know, just people making noise, but, uh, still that's, <laughs> but like it was I mean, the two, like, it was me ugh. and this girl out there and 
clearly we did not have any concept of how to keep ourselves safe in that kind of situation. Well, I mean, you also, I mean, you're in Chicago. Chicago is such like a, and you're covering like a wide swath. Yeah. And like of Chicago and also with no social awareness of what was going on. Like I would, this is the same version of me, that same fall and winter. There were multiple times where I got a new soul winning partner who was actually the daughter of one of the guys that's on like the bad preacher clips all the time. <laughs> like the the Twitter accounts that expose IFB pastors saying crazy shit. Um, the daughter oh, of one of those guys was my soul winning partner. And she's actually great. She's she's actually a really good person. But she was super, super sold out. Like way more than even I was. And she was the most on fire soul winner I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Girl is she effective? Yes. Fearless. You bring lots of people to Jesus. Yes. Oh man. Um Woo. just and I think I, I from what I can see from we're not in super close contact anymore but from what I can see from her socials she has moderated into a really lovely and empathetic human being. But this this girl and I were soul winning partners for a long time and she would the I mean the two of us would walk up to groups of young men in like matching clothing smoking weed on the corner of the street and be like hey which one of you is the gang leader we want to talk to you about jesus (laughs) (laughs) and i somehow survived this gee i mean well (laughs) but it's just like no social awareness of maybe that is not the the way to approach this situation yeah i I mean i guess like it's chicago and you know i mean that's a city it's it's so like it can vary so much block Mm -hmm. to block between what's safe it's like it can literally just be one one block is like one neighborhood and it's really safe and then the next block is literally like yeah and the way that i mean the way that our bus routes went was a lot of times women would go out looking for salvations and new people to come on the bus and the men would so the men would go up in their own Mm. cars and just visit the individual bus kids who already came to church every week so the guys are out there in a car driving around the neighborhood and we're just out there on foot and of course we're not allowed to get in the guy's car unless it's life or death but did like but did nobody think that like nobody at Hiles Anderson thought, hmm, maybe it's a bad idea to send these young women out in pairs because their safety might be in. T- no, no, like, God. Yeah, this, it, and, and this Just, is, remember, this is Hiles Anderson where Jack Hiles bragged about, we protect your daughters here. Anyway, uh, bef- so. Yeah, I was sending them out into into Chicago. I mean, like the, the gang members, they're like they're probably not going to do anything to you unless you like. Honestly, it, I have a very positive perception of gang members based on how I've been personally treated by them. Yeah, I mean, they're still people. They might be engaged in. Yeah, and they you you have to remember that all of these people. I mean, whether you're trying, I mean, I definitely tried to witness to people who. We're selling drugs. I have definitely tried to witness to sex workers. I have tried to witness to a metric crap ton of gang members. Um, Just like Jesus. Well, the thing is that most of those people have Christian roots in their family. It's Chicago. 
most of them come from Catholic families. So whether or not they are practicing Christians or practicing Catholics, they probably were taught to respect religious people by their elders. Right. And if you're walking through with like, you've got like a cross necklace, they're going to be like, oh, this person loves Jesus. I'm not going to do anything. Right. So you might annoy them. They certainly might threaten you or tell you to F off or whatever, but they're not going to put hands on you. So it's not maybe as dangerous as it appears, but there were some scary moments. <laughs> it's still a bad idea to... to it, it is still an exceptionally bad idea. <laughs> God. But that that is what... That is my theory on why there are not more deaths and injuries. <laughs> I talked about the guys getting out to the bus route in somebody's car. I should tell you how the girls get out to the bus route because chronologically in our day, we have still not gotten to the point where I actually go out to knock on doors. Uh, we sometimes we had to do, um, ladies bus, which sucked so much. So sometimes the girls on the bus going out to the bus route were just allowed to sit on the bus and chill. If we were doing that, we were technically not supposed to have headphones at Hiles Anderson. Most of us did. And if there were, if the person who was driving the bus out to the bus route wasn't a snitch, you could sit and listen to music. So I would do that a lot or just text friends or sleep. A lot of what I did on all of these bus rides was sleeping. <laughs> Learned very quickly how to fall asleep anywhere and everywhere and how to pop awake. When we got where we, where we were going. Even if there's a lot of noise, people singing songs, clapping. Well, if people are singing songs and clapping, you're required to participate. Uh. So sometimes they would just let us chill on the bus. Sometimes we would have to do ladies bus. So ladies bus is when the senior or junior girls in the bus division get up and lead a program while you're on your way out to the bus route. This was most often done during spring program, fall program to try to like get you more fundy hype. So they would lead songs, do games, maybe have a devotion, like have chants. I hated it. I hated it so bad because all I wanted to do was get on that bus and sleep. So they would make random people, if they were, if it was a mandatory ladies bus, the people leading it could pick random people to get up and lead songs. And you know, I'm really insecure. I don't like singing in front of people, especially live. This was a nightmare for me and you know that i also don't generally fall into the neat and tidy category of ladies so anything that's aggressively feminine is not usually my jam and female coded fundy hype was the most cringe thing in the world to me so what are they talking about or like what are your devotions about or like the specific female i don't remember what was i paying attention (laughs) Uh, Why would I be paying attention? I have no idea. Um, So we would all get to our meetup point in Chicago, whether we got to sleep on the bus or had to do more ridiculous fundy hype. And at this point, we've been doing literally like three hours of fundy hype because you'd get to your meetup point in Chicago by like 1030 in the morning. And then you'd have another meeting with your bus captain. Uh, He'd hand out assignments for the day. So he'd say, well, you two are going to go to these streets You two are going to do these two streets. You two are going to do these streets. And then we'd head out 1030-ish, two by two from the meetup point. And we'd have about five or six hours of soul winning to do. So you're on five or six hours. Um, You've had some cereal for breakfast. And then your lunch is a soggy PB&J with grape jelly, bag of chips, apple, bottle of water, 
Yeah, mm. I would I would save my pennies for a hot McChicken sandwich or a McDonald's coffee if I had the money back when both of those things were a dollar. The other reason, so I did I did have a good division for people who were starving um, because we had multiple panaderias on the route and I could get delicious Mexican pastries for literal pennies. Like Mexican mm-hmm. grocery stores and bakeries are the best thing in the world. I could get two of those conch shell pastries for like 58 cents. It was ridiculous. I also had Sometimes I would have families on the bus route just feed me. Like I'd be walking by a yard where people were doing a cookout and I guess they just knew like everybody in the area knows if you see two peep two femme presenting people in long skirts out together with their bibles in their hand they're from the big church. The big church is what all the locals call it. So they knew who we were and a lot of times people would just invite us to eat. The things I ate on that bus route, I still dream about sometimes because yeah. they were so delicious. Somebody gave me um, like a jalapeno stuffed with goat cheese one time that had come off that had been grilled. Wow. It was, it was one of the best things I've ever eaten. You have the, the old lady selling tamales too. Yes. Also elotes. <laughs> yes. Which were a major win because that's super high fat and that'll fill you up. So our our people would give us um, a cup full, you know, the sauce that they put on a lotus. It's like mayonnaise and sometimes cream cheese or um, what is that Mexican cheese? Cojita cheese? Yeah, I think cojita, it is. yeah. But they will, they will, the, the sauce is like mayonnaise or cream cheese and che- other cheese and spices. And I don't know what all goes in there. Magic. <laughs> but they would just give us a cup of the sauce. If we asked them and we would eat it with a spoon because like we were so hungry and we needed the calories that badly. I mean, it sounds to me like they were the ones witnessing to you. Not the yes. other way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just we were hungry and now I've now I want all of that. <sighs> anyway, so women were exempt from soul winning if the temperatures fell below zero, but otherwise we were out there in hose if it was a hundred degrees. And we were out there in skirts with layers and layers of tights and leg warmers if it was five degrees with a foot of snow. Um, And then they would set the pickup time for slightly before sunset. So whenever it started getting dark, they would have us back on a bus to go back to the college to eat the sad, sad Saturday night dinner. Or did they leave you hot dogs thawing in the sink? Saturday night dinner was... If I'm remembering correctly, it was usually just leftovers from the week, but it but it was usually a hot meal. So every once in a while, they'd give us like sandwiches or something, which I didn't appreciate. But usually they'd have some kind of hot meal, even if it was leftovers. It was nice after the day that I'd had. Sometimes somebody would forget to put the cereal cereal away from breakfast before leaving. And then there would still be cereal out at dinner, which was major win. So Saturday nights were prime dating time. So women would get back from the bus route around 5 to 7 p.m., depending on what time of year it was and how far away your bus route was from the college. Men would generally get back much later. It was considered a mark of laziness if you came back from the bus route too early. Usually guys would get back between 7 and 9 p.m., again, depending on what time it got dark and how far away their bus route was. So if you get back from your bus route early, does that reflect poorly on you or your bus captain? It, It reflects poorly on everyone who didn't stay late. 
Even if your bus captain's just like, no, we're going back early, and you're just like, I guess we're going back early. We're on this well, bus. Like they don't pick people for bus captains who go back early. Because the college picks bus captains. So they pick the people who are going to be the most sold out. The guys, I I think they did run buses out to the bus routes for guys. I don't know. I think guys were more likely to go in their car or a friend's car. Guys were more likely to have cars on campus. Girls were not allowed to go in people's cars to the bus route for quote unquote safety, but also probably so they could control our arrivals and departures. So the guys on a particular bus route might go in three different cars and come back at three different times. There was It was also really common for guys to have a prayer meeting on the bus route before they left, especially during spring and fall program times, push times. They would have a bus kid whose parents didn't mind if they used their house and they would pack like all the guys from the bus division or all the guys from the bus route into one house and have a big prayer meeting and do guy stuff. I don't know what they were doing. I think there was a huge range of how people managed this. I'm sure there were a lot of guys who just went and hung out at Buffalo Wild Wings or something all day and then made up numbers (laughs) to turn in on their reports. But I also think there were a lot of guys who just pounded the pavement like a 1950s vacuum salesman with eight hungry children at home from the moment they got on the bus route until the moment they left. Yeah, man. Like it was when I worked at Guitar Center, there would be these two LDS guys that would always come in and hang out in like the acoustic guitar room all day on Saturday and just play guitar there. And I assumed that they were supposed to be out like evangelizing because, you know, they were dressed up. They had the, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, def- they were definitely supposed to be out witnessing. They, they were dressed very smart. You know, they had the white shirts, the black ties, the, um, the name, name tags. tags that said, yeah, that said Elder Johnson and Elder, oh, well, you know, my yeah. name is Elder Price. Nice guys. I really like them. So that, honestly, that's what I do, though. <laughs> uh, fair. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Um, we so had, you didn't have a choice, though. You couldn't do that unless you were with like a, a really. Well, I I couldn't get anywhere that I couldn't go on foot. And mm-hmm. I did not have any concept of how to use public transportation. I mean, people did. The people did get dropped off on the bus route. And as soon as the people watching them were out of sight, they would get on a bus and go somewhere or get a cab and go do stuff. I didn't have any concept that that was a possibility. I did have there was an older lady on our bus route and it was it was pretty legit. Like we she was an an older lady who was very isolated in her house and um she had a piano so me and my soul winning partner would go to her house every day or every saturday when we were out on the bus route and we'd eat our lunch there and we would sit and play piano and sing her hymns and do bible studies with her so we were we were legitimately ministering to this person as best as we knew how but we were also spending like three hours in her house so we didn't have to be outside (laughs) okay so there was some give and take there (laughs) So so that's a Saturday from my freshman year. Like I said earlier, my sophomore year, I was in chapel ministry, and I usually got a ride out to the church in someone's car. Often, listener Amy, who I mentioned earlier in the episode, who was really good at dealing with Colt Sadie, despite her being much more normal than I was at the time. But once we were there, it was usually, it's the same kind of thing that you do at chapel ministry. It's like meetings, meetings, and soul winning and meetings, unless we were doing something interesting like prepping for judgment nights. It was just a little less intense at chapel ministry. Like we would go soul winning for a couple hours and get back to the campus at like 345 instead of going soul winning for five or six hours and getting back to the campus at six. So what time are you getting to bed? 
uh, curfew was at 10 and lights out was at 11. And Sunday's church. Sunday's church. Woo. So here we go <laughs> on yeah, Sunday. Okay. <sighs> I'm tired already. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so on Sunday, uh, you wake up and you had better be on time. You set like five alarms because if you get left behind, it's going to be a mess to figure it out. So first you got to go to the dining hall and get another nasty sack lunch before you leave. Why, why do you have to get up so early? Like what, what time is church? Church, I think started at 10 or maybe 1030 AM, but there is so much to do before you get to church. So before you get to church, you have to do the bus route and then you have to go to Sunday school and then you have to go to church. So since my bus route was closest to the college and the church, of any of the Illinois bus routes. I think my Sunday morning bus for Division 7 left at like 7.15, 7.30 a.m. Maybe a little earlier than that, but it was one of the last buses off the campus. If you miss the bus to your bus route, you're going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> so, and you have to figure out how to catch up to wherever they are. So if you miss the bus, you're panicking, you're freaking out, you're phoning a friend, you're trying to make sure you have a ride to the church. I think there was a stragglers bus that would take anybody who missed their bus route to the church, but I'm not 100% sure. You might have just been SOL unless you could get a ride with a friend. Can't remember. Anyway, I, I think I only missed the morning bus like once, maybe twice in two years because I was terrified of it. So you swing by the dining hall, get your cereal and your sack lunch, get on the bus, you go out to Chicago. And again, I was in the chill division. So we got to sleep or zone out on the bus on the way to Chicago. <laughs> you pick up the kids, it, just like a school bus, you drive house to house and then somebody gets off the bus and goes knocks, knocks on the door and says, hey, we're ready for your kids. And kids come out and get on the bus. And then once the kids get on the bus, there's a whole program you do on the way to church, like songs and games. And usually one of the bus captains will get up and preach a sermon. Once again, there was a lot of pressure to get up and lead a song as a female bus worker. That's like one of your main jobs. So maybe again, maybe this is enlightening you on my vocal insecurities because you have to get up and sing, but you actually have to scream because you are on a bus full of more people than should legally be on a bus. Like you're on a hmm. bus with like 70 people on it. It's like a, a yellow school bus. Yeah, they, they just Oof. buy old yellow school buses. And they will, they are supposed to only have the capacity of people that is legally allowed to be on the bus on the bus. But I have been on yellow school buses with 130 people on them. Oh, how? Yikes. It's, you know, in the 70s when they would put 20 people in a phone booth for fun or like 28 people in a Volkswagen. It's like that. Yeah. Oh, God. But for Jesus. Oh. So if you're a female bus worker... If you're not up leading songs in front of all those people, I would literally sit on a seat in a school bus and there's another college girl next to me and each of us have at least one kid on our lap and then a smaller kid will sit on their lap. And then you just, mm. you as the bus worker, you just wrap your arms around the smaller kid who's on top and hope you don't hit too many bumps. And you're just like having your, your spine crushed and your, your bones turn to powder. <laughs> I oh, and and then there's like two or three of those stacks of people in each seat, and you and they really need everyone to do it, like a, 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 like they need everyone to go. Yeah, 
why like why they need to send all of you they can't just send like the bus out with like one or two people to go and knock on the doors no you will or... well, no they need that many people for crowd control for the children Jeez, this these is... are all like unaccompanied children like five and six year olds like somebody's got to <laughs> tie their shoes and wipe the snot off of their nose and deal with any emergencies that pop up and so you might get peed on you might constantly get... constantly I, I don't think i don't know if i ever got off the bus route without having some bodily fluid that once belonged to somebody else on me <laughs> And then you've got to go to church, like with the the urine and vomit of. <laughs> yep, a lot of us would you. carry um, extra clothes. So you have what's called a bus bag. You have a large tote bag, and you put everything in it that you need for the entire day on Sunday. A lot of us would carry deodorant, perfume, toothbrush, curling iron, full makeup kit, and extra clothes and Walmart bags. So if a kid threw up on you, you could just change clothes at the church and put your old clothes in a bag and wear something else. It was it's hazardous. It's intense. So they're expecting you to like try to sing songs with. Yeah, so like you got to get up and the sing these songs. And it, as far bus songs are like like camp songs. Like, do, do you ever sing songs at summer camp? Yeah, like all my life I've been waiting for. I've been praying for for you know that one. No, I don't. For the people to say that we don't want to fight no more, there'll be no more war, and our children will play one day. That's what you got to sing at summer camp? Yes. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, that's, I mean. <laughs> All I got to sing was songs about, like, hell and beating up the devil. That's a, a great song. Do you not know that song? No. <laughs> one Day by Modest Yahoo? No, that's like, you know, pacifist leftist propaganda. <laughs> At my camp, we got to sing songs about surrendering to Jesus and dying for Jesus and all the people who are going to hell and all that kind so of stuff. You have, you have little children sitting on your lap and you're singing little children are falling into a burning hell. No, no, that's a, that's a <laughs> church song. What we would sing on the bus is like, OK, you. this is a Simpsons reference. What we would sing on the bus is like, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know that one? Rod and Todd sing that one. No, I don't. I Rod and Todd. Uh, uh, okay, the Lord said to Noah, "There's gonna be a floody, floody." Lord oh, said to one. Noah, yeah, yeah. "That's another Rod and Todd special." That that that's the kind of thing we would sing on the bus. Did you actually sing that song though? Yes. Oh. Yes. Mm, that is that's a that real is, song. Yes. I Get thought they just made that animals up too. out of the muddy, muddy children. Yeah. No, that's that's an actual song. So when that when you saw that Simpsons episode, you just did you just like that one gets a little trickery for me. <laughs> um, Was it like a, a hiding under the couch situation, or did you laugh? Or, no, I laughed. I laughed. Okay. Um, but no, like all songs like that are what we have sing. They all have like very extreme hand motions that go with them. There are there are tons and tons of bus songs. We should probably do an episode on like Christian children's songs at some point. Patch of Pirate songs we would sing on the bus sometimes. So yeah, but you but you can't sing it nicely. You've got to yell it loud enough that people on the back of the bus can hear you. And if you aren't loud enough, they'll yell at you for not being loud enough. And it just it turns very it's it's really difficult for people who are insecure about their voice or their appearance or anything else. It's just, it's really hard. Yeah. And ev like, but everyone has to do it. And not, not just like people who are good at it. 
they won't physically force you, but they will hassle and harass and call you names if you don't. And you can also get turned in for non-participation and then get in trouble with the school because you were having a rebellious spirit on your bus route. And you can't just say, well, I'm sorry, I couldn't sing very loud. I couldn't breathe because I had four children sitting on me. (laughs) No, no, no. You just you you just have to do it. I mean, I don't know. I I, would have guessed that like bus song leader would have just been one of those skills that like, like, you know, like being a choir soloist or being, you know, on fire for God, that that young man trademark would have put on his list of desirable qualities for a wife. It's more of a skill that you're just expected to have. And if you don't have it, you just got to learn it. And if you're not good at it, you just got to get good at it. No excuses. You just you get up there and God will give you the power. And if you get up there and God doesn't give you the power, then you're not praying enough and you need to pray and read your Bible more. And if you get up there and you have the power, but you don't enjoy it, that's because you don't have the Holy Spirit in your heart. So you need to repent and pray more and read your Bible more. Dude, that's so f***ed up. Yes, but like, do you get it now? Yeah. Like, do you get why you get me in the studio to try to record our theme song and I had like a mini mental breakdown? (laughs) Yes. So we get the bus to church. We've arrived at church. We've made it through like the first quarter of our day here. So we get we get the bus to church. The bus kids have to go to their Sunday school classes. And there are like, I don't know, maybe hundreds of Sunday school classes. Maybe. I don't even know. Probably hundreds. So as a bus worker, part of your job is getting your kids to the right class. So you mark the kids on the back of their hand with magic marker. You put the division number and then the bus route. So our kids were marked 7-45-5. So division 7, bus route 45-5. Then if the Sunday school if the Sunday school workers or the junior church workers lose a kid, they can get them back where they're going once they find the kid. And they lose them all the time, of course. They're kids. Temporarily, so. yes. Permanently, rarely, believe it or not. Um, so I would deliver however many kids to the right Sunday school department. You take the kids to like, they have like a Sunday school department meeting. They put all the kids in one room, sing a couple songs while everybody's getting there. And then they split the kids off to their individual classes. So all I had to do was get them to like their correct department. And then I chose to take it easy my freshman year and not work in a Sunday school because that was optional. Working in working as like an assistant for a Sunday school teacher or working in a junior church department as an assistant were things that were optional. And I decided not to do that. I was just going to attend Sunday school instead. Remember, this is what taking it easy, taking it easy and only doing the requirements looks like. So there were specific Sunday school classes that were approved for college students. I went to the one that was taught by a college administrator who was known for being pretty laid back. Do you remember the guy that I was originally supposed to go to the Valentine's banquet with as a friend date before I got to be before I got asked to be somebody's actual date date? Yes, yes, I remember this story. So that guy and I did Sunday school class together. The teacher was pretty chill. The teacher did uh, trivia games and gave out gift cards. I was super competitive about these trivia games because if I got a $5 McDonald's gift card, I could eat like four weeks worth of McChickens on that. So do you think that like some of the teachers, because you're in Sunday school class. 
Do, do you think that like some of the teachers knew like this place is super f***ed up i've got to be a really nice and chill teacher because otherwise these kids are like their brains are going to explode and then they'll replace me with somebody just like uh, a psychopath yeah just like just like my bus division leader a lot of the guys that were there back in my dad's day when it was way more hardcore had a lot of sympathy on us the other half of the guys who were there back when it was more hardcore thought well i went through this back when it was even harder so i want you to have the same experience i did which are the two types of people in the world i'm sure there's some sort of sense of i'd like to leave this awful organization but if i do these kids will be left at the mercy of these like fascist hard asses who get joy out of torturing them yeah but also their degrees are worthless outside the ifb movement so really if they wanted to leave the only moves they could make would be to other ifb institutions so their options are limited (laughs) so after sunday school uh we had church again i was taking it easy so instead of working in junior church i just attended sunday morning services went to church saw jack scott preach about something he was usually on his best behavior on sunday mornings yeah he usually say he'll save the the polish shaft for uh pastor school youth conference but his oh his spicier sermons were usually on sunday nights After church on Sunday morning, I would leave the church building and head out to the buses. All the buses park in this huge gravel parking lot out behind the church. Interesting fact, it's about 500 feet away from where Dave Hiles was caught with a woman in a car during pastor school back in the 90s. It's back there. So my job was to help locate all of the children that we brought with us, check everyone's hand stamp to make sure we had the right kids, check check their names against our list to make sure we had all of our kids and none of anyone else's kids. And once we confirmed that we had all the children we were supposed to have, we could go back to Chicago. That seems so precarious. This seems and like it's a, well, it's a bunch right. of eighteen to twenty-two year olds in charge of this, <laughs> with like very little supervision, like one actual grown adult to fifty college students, if that. So, Yikes. it's it's they do. So if you lose a kid, they end up going to the bus office. I I think I remember one time we left without a kid that we were supposed to have and had to turn around and go collect the kid from the bus office. It wasn't actually that common. It did happen. We never lost a kid permanently. (laughs) So good. That was good. I guess you get all the kids on the bus. You're going back to Chicago. It's the same thing. You got to sing songs and preach sermons and give out candy and entertain them on their way home because the whole idea is like. There's never a dull moment when they're at church. Like from the minute they get picked up on the bus till the minute they walk off the bus, they just are overstimulate the shit out of them. Just yeah, just like excited and hyped and loved and giving candy. It's supposed to be the best part of their week, so they keep coming back. And that so that was <clears throat> that was what we had to do: keep the energy up. Unless it was spring or pro- fall program. When I talked about going to the zoo with my bus kids for a program treat thing, you would do it right after church, right before you go drop them off at home. That's when you would put that kind of fun thing in there if you were doing that. So we'd get all the kids dropped off by maybe 2 or 3 p.m., depending on how many kids we had. Once the kids are off the bus, you can eat your sack lunch if you didn't give it all away to your bus kids, which a lot of times you did and then after that we'd drive back to the church and we'd usually get back to the church with maybe an hour to spare before dinner so 
if dinner started at five, we'd probably get back to the church 3.30 or 4, give or take. So what do you use that time for? I do not know what the boys did. I think the boys had a designated location they were allowed to be in that had like foosball tables and stuff. I feel like I've heard about this. I don't remember. The girls all had to go. Bowling alley. <laughs> no, because we weren't going back to the college. We were going back to the church. Oh, right, right, right. They're not They're not in the same. Uh, they're like, they're like. 40 minutes away from each other by bus really they're that far apart 30 40 minutes yeah depending on traffic and how many red lights you hit why yeah um why would they build them so far apart from each other that just seems like they're well because they didn't build them they bought the college campus off of the catholic monastery that was closing hang on uh the college is okay this all makes so much more sense now okay so is Hiles so is Hiles Anderson College even in Indi like in Hammond, Indiana, or is no. it like outside? Oh um, the the college is in Crown Point. That's not the right first Baptist church. Oh uh, I'm okay. Google Mapsing it because I needed to double check myself. Yeah, so the college is in Crown Point. The church is in Hammond, which is much closer to the Chicago. Uh because it's like Hammond and then Gary's a little bit west of Hammond and then you get into the suburbs of like East Chicago. Okay, this this makes so much more sense to me now because I thought that the camp that the the college and the uh and the church were like right next to each other because no. like why wouldn't they be? No, that so I I looked it up on Google Maps because I had to answer it and it is 30 31 minutes by car. So it's going to take you a little bit longer than that in a bus because they don't okay. go as fast and you have to stop you know, for yellow lights and that kind of thing. Okay. Cause I'm thinking like, why, why couldn't you just go back to the dorms and like catch a nap? And then, no, but so, no you can't. Yeah. It's too, it's too far because by the time you got to the dorms, you'd have to turn around to come back for church. So what I've we really gone f- like two years of making this show <laughs> thinking that they were next to each other, that they were like right there. Okay. Duh, I'm, I'm sure you've said that to me before, but. Man. Well, I just, I, I don't think I ever looked it up on Google, Google Maps before. So, no. So the college owns a lot of stuff further out, like in Crown Point, because the, the cemetery that the church owns is around the corner from the college out in Crown Point or maybe Sherville. I think the cemetery is technically in Sherville. Anyway, the, what we had at the church, we did have a place to nap. It was called the Ladies Parlor, and it was a big room in one of the administrative buildings that the church owned because the church owns like three or four city blocks around the church building in Hammond for like office buildings and buildings that they use for Sunday school rooms, buildings that house their RU homes. Gosh, what else? Tons of stuff. Anyway, one of those administrative buildings had a big room set aside for us college girls on Sunday afternoons called the Ladies Parlor. It was a big room with couches and chairs and reportedly lice and bed bugs and mold. I don't know about the bugs and mold because I never saw the room with the lights on because you would just go in there on Sunday afternoon whenever you got back to the church from your bus route and just pass out on the floor. Oh, you're just sleeping. Yeah. If you uh, so if you were feeling too sick to go on the afternoon drop off for your bus route, you could also just go sleep in there the entire afternoon, which I definitely did a few times. You d- you couldn't do that too often or you would start getting in trouble with administration. What if it was the mold that was in there that was making you sick? <laughs> Pro- I mean, it probably was, but 
Or if there's ticks, you might get Lyme disease. I, I mean, who even knows? But I would, just, I would, I didn't trust the couches. And also the couches would usually be taken up by the girls who did skip bus route and just sleep in there the whole afternoon. So I would just find a spot on the floor, ball my coat up and use it as a pillow and just pass out until dinner time. Wow. So you just, also, that was pretty much your only option. You, you're only allowed to use college transportation. Unless you have a pass. So you can't drive to somewhere. You can't walk to stores or restaurants near where the church is because you don't have a pass to do that. So it, and I don't think we were allowed to be in the auditorium between services unless we had a job that we were doing in there. So the ladies' parlor was pretty much the only place you were allowed to be. So I would, I would mostly just pass out, um, then do a, a tiny little like a makeup touch up and go to dinner. Girls with boyfriends and way more energy than I had would spend that hour actually redoing their hair and makeup, repairing the damage of having 14 bus kids piled on top of you. Uh, I did not care that much. Um, now I know, like, now I know why your, your, like your spine and your, <laughs> you know, is all like, you're always complaining about like your, and my back hurts wow. all the time and my knees yeah. are shot. And it's not cause of Chuck. That damage was done a long time before. <laughs> So dinner was technically provided for college students. Sometimes it would just be like sandwiches or soup or something. Sometimes if the Spanish division of First Baptist Church of Hammond had a church dinner, they would make extra for us, which was always the best possible outcome, which once again brings the brings us back to the entire point of this episode, which is how much I love authentic Mexican food and how people of color are probably responsible for saving my life and not letting me starve as a Hiles Anderson <laughs> student. Yeah, while you uh, try to convert their families to white Jesus. And while the boys from the college steal their statues of Joseph and Mary out of their front yards and dump them in the college lake. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Ser- seriously. Man. <laughs> the, the, these people's kindness did me a lot of good. Wow. Just like giving and giving and giving and giving yep. and giving. Wow. That's so you'd, you'd go to dinner. Hopefully they had something decent to eat. Usually it was okay. I don't think I really cared what dinner was as long as I could eat something at that point. So once you made it to Sunday night church, you were pretty much home free unless, of course, you were in the orchestra or a singing group that was performing or you had teenage bus kids who came back to night church and you had to supervise them. But I wasn't doing any of that. I was sitting in church and trying to stay awake. But I have heard tell that Sunday night church is where all the tea comes out. Do you, are, are you like in there trying to listen to like the spicy drama <laughs> Sunday night or are you too tired? Thinking back to my freshman year, what I was actually doing during church was trying to speed read through the Old Testament for the survey class that I mentioned, mm. uh, which worked because it looked like I was just being like very pious and reading along with the sermon. Nobody would look and be like, oh, you're you're in the wrong chapter for this part. Like, No, because they're paying attention to the sermon or mm-hmm. acting like they're paying attention to the sermon. If Jack Scott started just like yelling about something, I would pay attention because I wanted to know what he was yelling about. I'm intrigued. Like, what is he actually talking about? Just like accusing people of being backslidden or just... So all of his sermons that were uploaded by the church got scrubbed from the internet. So we're going to have to look a little bit deeper to find them. You remember that rant that he went on about how he'd been featured on 2020 and they're just 
attacking him for preaching God's word and how he, I wouldn't take my theology from a woman that right. I was there. That was a Sunday night sermon. I was there. I was actually sitting with Noah up at like up near the front of the church. I could show you exactly where I was sitting. You can see the back of your head in the video. Probably <laughs> possibly. No, I'm sure if we tried, we could find uh, some Jack Scott Sunday night sermons. Actually, he's going to be giving more of them, which makes us very and angry yeah well maybe we don't know we don't know yet we think we know where he's going uh or where he yeah, is i'm just i'm not gonna yeah, i'm not gonna tell people until i have some kind of evidence but i think i know where he's going yeah we've we've got plans for that don't worry do you think we're gonna be a re-traumatizing you for content <laughs> or traumatizing me for content <laughs> we would never do that oh my God. that's i mean that's <laughs> this show. Now, speaking of a re-traumatizing uh, Sadie for content, next week's episode is uh, us uh, on with a mental health professional uh, as a guest, and we're reviewing the Jack Scott book on mental health that Sadie was given when she was feeling serious depression. I will tell you now, it is the most insane thing that I have ever read, and it's crazier than any of the Bill Gothard Advanced or uh, Basic <laughs> or ATI seminars or anything. Uh, R.I.P. to the A.T.I. Poor one out. Uh, we hardly knew ye. So after night church, usually there would be just designated buses to take the female students back to the college. Men had to do a thing called night bus, which is where they would take the teenaged bus kids back to Chicago and like sing songs and do sermons and then sing more songs and do more sermons on the way back to the college. I hear that night bus got pretty wild. All of the exhausted preacher boys got up and gave their like spiciest sleep deprived takes. <laughs> there was a sermon circulating the college while I was there that went down on night bus about things that Muslims get right. The only point I remember from this sermon is that the women dress modestly. Mm. I think the way the original mm. preacher phrased it was they keep their women under control, uh, which is great. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a lot of homophobia and misogyny and <laughs> Islamophobia and other things that went down on night bus from what I hear. Once in a while, ladies were allowed to ride the night bus, usually once a semester. It's uh, it's the closest that Hiles Anderson gets to a frat party. Sadie, I hate to break it to you. Um, but that is not what a frat party is like or any non-fraternity affiliated fraternity style party. If there's, if there's no like goldfish tank filled with a uh, jungle juice or a like Drake and Big Sean and 2 Chains playlist, then it's not a true frat party. I didn't say it was. I said it was the closest that Hiles Anderson gets because what you would do is this was one of the only times you were allowed to be sit on a bus next to your boyfriend. Ooh. So you didn't go with, if you wow. didn't have a boyfriend, you went with your bus division for their night bus. But if you did have a boyfriend, you got to go to your boyfriend's division. Working on the night so bus. My, <laughs> my boyfriend at the time was in like a wilder division. So I would get to go on like the wilder divisions night bus and it's like you get to hear the preacher boy's spiciest takes and your boyfriend might get up and preach and you get to you know be like oh my boyfriend's a preacher boy and he's gonna be a pastor one day and this is awesome i like cheer him on this and is gonna be my future i'm gonna accept in a church and not on a bus and <laughs> not in a <laughs> bus in the middle of chicago in the middle of the night <laughs> 
And it was like you would and you would night bus would not, especially if you were in a division that was further away from the college, night bus would not get back to the college until like, geez, I don't even know, 10, 30, 11 p.m. So it was also the latest at night that you were ever allowed to be in the presence of a person you were dating. So it was it was a really big deal to go on night bus. But usually night bus was like once a semester. So usually what you would do is you would get on the bus that there would be a bus that went to the college or a bus that went to Walmart. I think the Walmart bus was after church on Sunday. It might have been Wednesday, but I'm like 90% sure it was Sunday. Anyway, a lot of times I would go on the Walmart bus just to be somewhere that wasn't campus and wasn't First Baptist Church controlled property. Even I wouldn't even buy anything at Walmart. I would just wander around and enjoy being somewhere that I did not feel like I was under constant surveillance. I would also buy food at Walmart if I had any money. I wasn't allowed to work off campus because of the Jericho program, but sometimes people from my church would send me $10 or whatever, and I also taught English online to get a little bit of money. We weren't allowed to have fridges in our dorms, but we were allowed to have a small hot pot. So I would get bread, peanut butter, ramen, lots of ramen, just to try to supplement the college diet. One semester, I had a roommate who had a medical exemption for a fridge. So she and I would get cheese slices and make grilled cheese on our iron, which was an excellent memory. I dig it. Grilled cheese is an elite snack. It is. And you just put like aluminum foil on the iron and turn it up all the way and we could make grilled cheese on (laughs) the iron. I don't think we were allowed to have uh, hot plates or irons or anything like that. Irons? How do you go to college with that? Oh, right. You don't wear suits and ties and dresses to college every day. Well, there might have been an iron in the laundry room, but like, you know, I mean, we were wearing like hoodies and, and... Stuff like that, you know, we're dressing for comfort. Yeah, we had, I mean, we had to iron pretty much everything we wore because you could get dress coded if you were too wrinkled. And also, once you got like really, really serious with your boyfriend or got engaged, a lot of girls would iron their boyfriend's shirts in their dorm. Oh, well, that's kind of, that's actually kind of sweet. It is is kind of sweet because you're like previewing your, your wifely duties. But not like the... Not not, but not any of the fun parts that, that made it weird that that made it way weirder <laughs> man um no like we couldn't have an iron that, that like uh women weren't even allowed to have like curling irons or anything because it was a fire hazard what yeah you like you couldn't have legal how how is it legal for you to have a hot plate in your dorm room that's like definitely a fire hazard we weren't it wasn't a hot plate like one of those like a camping stove that you can cook eggs on like an electric kettle is what we were allowed to have oh yeah like you could have an electric tea kettle but not like a hot plate like a um like you plug it in hot oh you said hot pot i thought you said hot plate no okay we were allowed to have it was like an electric kettle is what we were allowed to have but you can make ramen with that if you don't really care about it, the structural integrity of your of your kettle. I mean, but you you can't have like an iron or like a because it's it's a fire hazard. I couldn't. I got written up a bunch of times for having a soldering iron. I don't know how you can tell girls they can't curl their hair. I would not go to college in a place where I couldn't have a curling iron. Well, they just violate the rules. You just do it. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we weren't allowed to do that we did, like oh. drinking in the dorm rooms, smoking weed in the dorm rooms. You know, I mean, there's plenty of rules that we broke 
no sports in the hallway was a big one. No, so but then then it's Monday. So you, it's it's Sunday yeah. night. So you're getting ready to do the whole thing over again. And you're what time is it? Eleven? You're getting to bed? Uh, no. I think the the girls' buses would generally get you back to campus before curfew. So you'd get you'd get back by like nine thirty or ten. So like you can't get like a convenience store. There was an on-campus convenience store, but it wasn't open on Sundays because everybody was at church. But if, if it was, if it were open, you could buy, they had snack foods like candy bars, chips, energy drinks, soda. There was not anywhere to buy actual food. There was a campus cafe, but I rarely ate there because I couldn't spend like $4 on fries when I could use the same $4 to buy a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter which fend off the hunger pangs for a lot longer. I never ate at the campus cafe unless I was on a date. So the end of Sunday night is you pass out (laughs) because you got to be on the floor in the hallway at 630 in the morning for devotions. And you got to be up even earlier than that if you want any food. So that's my weekend as a Hiles Anderson College student. Monday morning, you got to do the whole thing over again. And you got to do it for four years until you graduate. Because if you don't, the college is going to hang that Jericho loan over your head. Man. God, yeah. Mm. So, out of, so out of curiosity, did you ever find yourself just randomly crying for completely unknown reasons, even though you thought you were happy and you just like be crying and you didn't know why? Yeah, all the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, but I thought, oh, this is because I'm a woman and because I'm overly emotional because, mm. you know, I'm a weak, I'm the weaker gender because... Or, or um, I'm just feeling the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but also, wow. I wouldn't say I thought I was happy. I knew I was unhappy. And then I felt so guilty about that because that meant that something was wrong for me. If I wasn't happy at the most godly place on earth, doing God's will for my life and training to be in the ministry, that was a spiritual problem. That was an expression of sin in my life. And I needed to root out that sin and eradicate it because if I failed, to figure out what the sin was and quit doing it, I would be unhappy forever in my career as a pastor's wife or a missionary wife. Man, I so I remember when we were doing our PCC episode, our episode about Pensacola Christian um, College, you told me that you would rather do a semester at PCC than like a month at Hiles Anderson again. Like I, I see why. I understand. Like this is just grueling. It's brutal. They keep you busy because, like, just because they can. There's no real reason for it other than that they think that you should be. And they feed you shit. They expect you, like, just unreasonable amount of labor. And then they don't teach you anything useful. It just seems like... Mm. I think I've also gone on record as saying that pregnancy was easier than going to Hiles Anderson. Um, I, I stand by that. I feel like the the postpartum exhaustion, like... You've just given birth and you haven't slept more than an hour at a time in three weeks. I think that is about equivalent of the exhaustion of going to HAC. Jesus Christ. And you just have to remember, like this was the easy road in a lot of ways. Like This was me not taking an overload of classes. That was taking the minimum amount of classes, opting out, only doing the required ministry opportunities. And I was on Jericho and only working 20 hours a week instead of working full time. Out of Hiles Anderson grads and current fundies, do you, do you think that the people that those people understand how unusual it is, or is it just like this is what we do? No, th- this is just what it means to go to Hiles Anderson. That's like asking, um, you know, do you think 
the Marine Corps thinks it's too hard to go to boot camp. Mm. It's just it's compared to boot camp constantly. And it was tougher than this back in my dad's day. Yeah, but you go to boot camp for like how long? Like six I don't know how long it is. I'm not I'm not in the uh, military. I think, you, I think it's twelve weeks, ten weeks, something like that. You go to boot camp for twelve you don't go to boot camp for four years. That's Yeah, oh. but you know, we're we're Christian soldiers, so we're supposed to work harder. <laughs> I don't know. It was tougher back in my dad's day. When I was there, people from the old days were just constantly criticizing like, oh, Hiles Anderson has gotten soft and it's way too easy to go there now. Man, I I don't know how this is legal. This is like, it, it, it really shouldn't be. This is nuts. Well, it causes it causes long-term damage. And I really hope that that'll be investigated more in the future because... I have the lasting results of the concussion that I had while I was there, and I have PTSD. But I think that that somewhere I was permanently messed up somehow from eating like that and working like that for two years. It's been nine years since I left, and I still I have some kind of chronic fatigue that has just never left me. I don't even know if it's mental or physical. It's just I I have never really quit being tired, and I know tons. More people than you could possibly imagine who have chronic fatigue, chronic mental health issues, people who are diagnosed with fibromyalgia, people who are diagnosed with psoriasis and thyroid issues and RA and all kinds of things after leaving Hiles Anderson. Wow. I mean, what what, what did we say? It's that the IFB steals your time, your money and your health. I mean, so if you're a physical therapist and you listen to this show, maybe you have some suggestions of like how, how people can cope with this. But this is this is just so brutal. This is really abusive. I mean, we talked about last episode. Do, is last episode when we talked about how the IFB f***ed up your posture? I d- it could have been could have been. It's been recently. Right. Because they were telling you that you couldn't like you couldn't walk or run in a way that like anybody saw anything jiggle. Yeah, you, you, or, you can't yeah. walk in a way that makes your body move. You also can't swing your hips. There's also approved ways to sit and stand. Yeah, I'm I'm still uh. I'm still learning how to take care of my health and trying to recover more of what I lost. And I just I don't want to end this on false hope and tell people, oh, you know, there's five easy steps to a full recovery from mental and emotional and physical abuse of your body in a cult. If you went through something like this, just buy my ebook for two ninety nine, and I'll tell you how to fix it. You know, I don't want to I don't want to give people that kind of ending but i want to encourage people that they can learn to take care of themselves again and it can get better because i know i am so much healthier than when i left and i really think that i can keep working on that and really learn how to take care of myself better and i think you can too Anyway, uh, it's time for us to end this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, as we said before, we have a mental health professional coming on, and we are going to review the mental health book written by convicted and now released for God knows what reason, pedophile Jack Scott. Yeah, we don't know why. They let him out almost a year early. We'll talk about it when we have more details. We're working on it and grinds our gears. We're not happy about that one, but we have a, a, a mental health professional coming on the show to review this batch 
insane <laughs> book that we have read uh and we're going to have some excerpts from it so if you want to hear us uh do that uh, uh, us uh really deep dive the analysis in this ridiculous book that i don't know how on earth it actually got published then tune in next week you can please oh please send us your pride month stories. We love getting them. If you're an LGBTQ person and you were raised in a repressive environment like the IFB or similar, please send us a story. Uh, if you want us to read it on air, send it to leaving at gmail.com and make sure that you include your uh, any, if you want us to refer to you by a pseudonym, please make sure you include the pronouns so that we can speak about you in the way that you want to be spoken about. And anything else, Sadie? Anything I'm missing? No, I think that's it. Great. Uh, so you can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast, on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. You can join our Patreon for extended and uncensored versions of most of our episodes, definitely this one. And the Patreon is patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast. Sadie, why don't you plug your social media? You can follow me on instagram at sadie carpenter music on twitter at hell yes sadie or on tiktok at sadie carpenter one and you can follow me on facebook instagram and twitter at g-a-v-r-i-e-l-h-a-c-o-h-e-n thank you so much have a great day bye-bye Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.